worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Here's Sean Kleisinger. All right, 307, welcome inside the Sports Cage. I'm Sean Kleisinger alongside Ryan McNally on this Thursday. Sports Cage is brought to you by Extreme Hockey today. It's the end of an era as Jason Degelman passes the puck off to Donnie and Carrington at Extreme Hockey and Sport. New owners with the same goals. Nothing changes there. Proudly serving Regina and its community for 35 years. That's longer than I have been walking this planet. Sam. <laughs> yeah. Ryan McDally. Hey, coming up at the bottom of this hour, Chris Vosters, the play-by-play voice on NBC Sports Chicago. Voice of the Chicago Blackhawks will be joining us. Announced yesterday that the 2025 NHL Winter Classic will be coming to Wrigley Field. And also going to get a bit of a Connor Bedard update from Chris Vosters as well. As Connor Bedard is slowly coming back from that broken jaw that he suffered back on January 5th. You can uh, be a part of the show anytime. You can call toll-free 1-866-767-0620 or uh, give us a text on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line, 306-936-6262. Capital Ford Lincoln is Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer, Capital Ford Lincoln. Dot com And last night was an exciting night. I was following on through Twitter or X. I don't know when it's going to come to the point where I stop calling it Twitter, by the way. but uh, I don't think that point will ever come yeah. to me, honestly. X, it just doesn't ring off the tongue very good. It really doesn't. But last night, I was so surprised. I think it was 4-1 to one after the first period of play. The Regina Pats with a huge win last night in Calgary versus the Calgary Hitmen. And... It was a much needed win when you look at the standings. As it sits now, the Pats are five points back of that final playoff spot in the conference. And just looking back on the history at the Saddle Dome, the Pats have played some pretty decent hockey in the Saddle Dome as of late. But uh, that was that. Am I right by saying the Pats needed that one? I mean, going into a big weekend coming up here at the Brand Center, the Pats won't be back on the ice until Saturday night at home versus the Edmonton Oil Kings. But, hey, that's a pretty nice win last night. Absolutely. And, you know, what What does not help the Pats is that the uh, Calgary Hitmen have three games in hand. So if you can win against Calgary, that uh, certainly helps you. Now, Pats still sitting six points south of a playoff spot uh, with Prince Albert uh, picking up some points last night. So uh, they're currently six points behind PA so it's that time of year Sean we're scoreboard watching in Prince Albert and Calgary but uh, the Pats gotta take care of their own uh, right now here the down the stretch Tanner Howe had himself a game last night I mean whenever a team is in a type of race like this you need your best players to produce on the stat sheet and he did just that he had a goal to assist first star of the game 
And uh, Tanner Howe had a bit of a struggle going on for him. You know, he only had one goal in a 12-game stretch that concluded with uh, the Pats uh, losing 3 nothing to Swift Current on, uh, yeah. I believe it was a few weeks ago now. But uh, with uh, the Pats uh, picking up that 7-6 win against uh, the Rebels and then uh, obviously, you know, dropping a game in uh, Medicine Hat and then last night with the 5-3 win, you know, we're, we're looking pretty good right now uh, for the Regina Pats. And, uh, you know, I team with you know without Connor Bedard trying to put together a little playoff run here and uh you know trying their best to get back into the thick of things here yeah Sam Marimba also with a nice goal last night do you think anything goes into this I was thinking about this because if if I'm a hockey player I would get extra juiced up if I go into an NHL arena if I'm like if I'm a WHL player and I'm going into where the Oilers play or where the Calgary Flames play like you get to walk the halls maybe use like the same dressing room or dressing rooms near uh, where Connor Connor McDavid or you know a Calgary Flames sits like I would get juiced for that and uh, would you or am I just silly am I just a sports fan geek do you think that has anything to do with it I I definitely think uh, it's maybe a little more so the case for the Saddle Dome just because it's been around for so long, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like the... The Saddle Dome has been around, again, longer than I can remember. Like, I don't remember Calgary without the Saddle Dome, right? Whereas, you know, the new rink in Edmonton, I think it's a whole different uh, perspective of awe factor. It's just so gorgeous and so, you know, like, big, right? Uh, That, you know, when you're going to an Oil Kings game, it's, you know, it seems empty almost, but it's not. Like, because there's still a ton of people that show up for Oil Kings games. Uh, I'll tell you a story, Sean. I was at the uh, WHL Eastern Conference Final. Uh, in 2022 when it was the Oil Kings versus the then Winnipeg Ice. Yeah. So, and I thought that was going to be the series of the century. Two of the top three teams in Canada all year long, 5 nothing by the first media timeout in favor of Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't stop ringing the goal horn all first period. It was insane. Wow. So, yeah, so the Pats... I've never been at like a game like like I've always wanted to be at a big time game like that in an NHL like I've been to NHL games I've never been to like a big time although I I was at Game Six last last uh, year we talked about that yesterday for sure but I, I kind of envy you on that one so the Pats aren't back at it until Saturday night at the Brandt Center and it's a very special night on Saturday as well under the orange top because the Pats will be wearing orange jerseys on yes. Saturday night as it's the Indigenous Celebration Night. And you can actually, uh, well, of course, you can buy your tickets for the game right now on ReginaPats.com. But I believe as well, you can start bidding on the jerseys that the players will be wearing. I think I saw the link up uh, at uh, WHL Pats on Twitter. And uh, I've always wanted one of those as well i'm sounding like a selfish (laughs) human being here i want this i want that Uh, (laughs) the one time i came oh so close to getting one of those don cherry uh, jerseys back in i want to see that was i can't remember what year 2017 i did the public address announcing for that game at the brand center okay it was one of those uh, don cherry bobblehead giveaway days and after the game i bid on i think it was the it was Sam Steele's jersey. Yeah. And I came like 150 or $200 short of getting it. I was like, do you know what? I could make a couple calls, see if anyone can lend me a, a couple extra dollars. This was before I was working full time, right? So I, I was literally going to break the bank on this jersey. <laughs> so I do not recommend you doing that coming up here on Saturday. But I got a nice glimpse 
at the jerseys that the Pats will be wearing on Saturday night. And uh, I've always loved when they wear those type of jerseys. And Edmonton Oil Kings in towns for another. And it's also a big game here for the Regina Pats, too. They have not beaten the Edmonton Oil Kings yet this year. And the Oil Kings are sitting below the Pats in the standings. So they got to get off the schneid when it comes uh, to playing against the Oil Kings. They they, they got to get this one. Probably should beat the team that is last in the standings if you want to make the playoffs. So this is a a massive game for the Regina Pats. We're going to talk more Pats hockey at the bottom of Hour 2 as Ryan McNally caught up with Dante DeCaria, the voice of the Regina Pats. Coming up next, so busy week in the Canadian Football League. J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation gives us the lowdown on what's happening in the three down game. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 315 inside the SportsCage. No snow flurries today. Yesterday at this time, the snow was pounding downtown Regina. And as I say that, a big block of ice just fell from the roof here at Harvard Media. Did you see that one? It just exploded on the sidewalk here. Good thing nobody was walking. Like, this is a pretty busy sidewalk. It is. If that would have fell, that looked like a chunk of ice. So if you're walking on Rose Street and you're walking under this, I guess you could call it a canopy or a little covering, just be wary because stuff has fallen. Hey, we are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline now by... uh, J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation. J.C., big uh, week in the Canadian Football League before uh, we hop into that. It's also a big week in the NFL. You don't need me to tell you that, I guess. Super Bowl Sunday coming up here on Sunday. Who do you got in the game? I'm a 49ers guy. I, I, I think it's a testament to how good the Chiefs have been that they got to this point. They just haven't looked the same this, this year. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has the weapons he usually does. I think it's time for the 49ers to take that next step and, and Kyle Shanahan finally gets himself one. 49er fan, speaking with a Packer fan to kick off the show. We are clashing heads already, J.C. Abbott. No. Hey, it's been a we, – we were chatting with uh, TSN's Farhan Lauji yesterday, and uh, before he went off the air, he uh, told us that he thinks that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders so far have, quote-unquote, one free agency. Would you agree with that statement? I absolutely would agree with that statement. I don't think it's particularly close either. Now, every year we come on around this time and we talk about who's the winner of free agency and, oh, this team's going to make a big jump. And it does not always translate into wins the following season. But the Riders have done everything that they've needed to do thus far to make their team better the pieces that they've added across the ball, the board, I think, are excellent players, great fits for their needs, culture guys. I think they're going to be a much improved team, specifically on defense, but also on offense with guys like Jamarcus Hardrick on that offensive line and A.J. Ouellette coming in in the backfield. Is there one move that really, you know, sparks your interest that really cements the case that the Riders have won free agency, or is it just a collective of all the moves? Well, I'll pick one on on each side of the ball because yeah. I think that Jamarcus Hardrick signing is massive, right? They they paid a a pretty penny to get him, uh, obviously making him the highest paid American offensive lineman in the league. But everyone's going to focus on AJ Ouellette, and he's going to be a franchise guy for the Riders in terms of how they're able to market him. 
but Hardrick is going to make that move work, and he's going to keep Trevor Harris upright, and he's going to fix all the problems that they've had recently along that offensive line, specifically at the tackle position. He is a plug-and-play veteran player. He's still got a number of years left of his prime. He's 35, but offensive linemen can play much longer than that, and I think he's going to be an excellent player for them. And then on defense, Jameer Thurman, to me, is the most underrated linebacker in the CFL. How this guy has not been an all-star yet since coming back from the NFL is uh, unbelievable to me. I think he's excellent, super versatile, a leader on the field. I think he's going to be a massive upgrade over Larry Dean, who I like a lot as a player, but is a little bit one-dimensional as a run-stopper. Jameer Thurman gives them a little bit more versatility at that position, and I think it's going to upgrade the defense as a whole. JC, Ryan here. Um, what holes do the Riders still have that you think they can actually fill during this free agency period? There's, there's not a ton. I mean, there's going to be some, some market there, potentially an addition at defensive tackle is a spot that, that I'm eyeing. Obviously, Micah Johnson and DeMarcus Christmas are both pending free agents, so presumably if those guys haven't been re-signed, they are probably leaving. I know a lot of people have sort of pegged Sean Oakman as a guy that could slot in there. Obviously, the Corey Mace connection from his time in Toronto, although the whispers have been that Edmonton is also a potential landing spot for Oakman. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's an addition there at defensive tackle, though it does get a little bit thin behind Oakman. And other than that, I think you're just you're just rounding out some depth pieces. They they addressed the tackle spot again today with with uh or sorry excuse me, no they didn't the Calgary Stampeders did. But uh there's some there's some defensive backs out there. You can add some depth at that position. But really the the heavy lifting has been done already. We see Montreal agreed to terms with uh, Tevin Jones, allegedly. Obviously, we don't know that until uh, Penn hits paper uh, when free agency officially opens up. But uh, does that kind of create uh, you know, some wide receiver if- issues uh, in Saskatchewan? I don't think it does. And it's, it's a tribute to the team's tremendous uh, Canadian depth at that spot. I know Tevin Jones did some great things when he was on the field, but there's a sentiment there that maybe he wasn't the best fit for the organization um, off the field and, and, you know, learning the playbook and and things like that. But they've got an extremely talented receiving core. I think Sean Bain Jr. is a fantastic player. Jarrett Stearns showed some some flashes in the limited time he was on the field. And then you have the Canadians. And Sam Emelis is as good as any American in the CFL right now. Keon Schaefer-Baker has shown he can be exactly the same way. And you've got guys like Braden Lenius who are coming back from injury who can also contribute as a as a major starter. So I'm not worried about that receiving core in the slightest for the Riders. Sure, you add some pieces through your neg, neg list and through the scouting department, but I, I think they've got the guys there to have a very nice receiving core for Trevor Harris. Yeah, this is J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation on the Western Pizza Hotline. A name that's being thrown around here in Ryderville is a wide receiver Tim White. Uh, Tim White is he's what's his number going to be looking like? Is there any chance that he lands in Ryderville? It will be pricey, I think, for what the Riders are going 
at, at, at other positions. I, I don't know if necessarily that's a fit. Tim White is also going to have to to decide what he's willing to take because the market is not what he expected or what any of the major receivers who went to market expected. Um, I know White was asking for, for over $300,000 at the start, similar to what Dalton Schoen was asking for it. Those offers simply weren't there. They weren't getting the Eugene Lewis or Kenny Lawler type money that they were expecting to guess. So he's going to have to settle somewhere in the 220, 230 range would be my guess, similar to what Schoen got to stay in Winnipeg. To me, the most natural fit for him is to return to Hamilton because that's where that money is going to be. I can't rule out Saskatchewan entirely as a possibility, but like I said, I'm, I'm comfortable with their receiving school, core there, and I, I don't think that is a position that is um, a high priority for them to target at this stage. And speaking of other guys that are going to be asking for a lot of moolah, one guy that comes to mind right away is uh, defensive end from the BC Lions, Matthew Betts. What's his potential contract going to be looking like? Well, it's, it's slow in play here because he is asking for a ton of money. And I think the situation for him is, was sort of tied to, to Brady Oliveira, who, of course, returns to Winnipeg for a bit of a hometown discount. But the two major players in the CFL, in my mind, for bets, have been a return to BC or Hamilton, who's trying to shell out some money on that defensive line. And both of those teams were also heavily involved in, in the sweepstakes for Oliveira and, and put some massive offers on the table. Table Now that money will shift wholly to bets. But he also had three NFL workouts this offseason, guys. And there are some around the league who believe there's some serious interest there. He may be the rare CFL player because of his age and because you never know how serious an opportunity for a guy who's 29 years old is going to be south of the border who could leverage NFL interest to gain himself more money in Canada because he can say, look, if it's not a $300,000 offer like like I want, well, maybe I'll take a shot at the NFL. So uh, I think that's the situation there. I don't see that getting resolved before free agency opens. Yeah, and that's an interesting topic uh, as far as players going down south. Has there been any other discussions, anything that you know of, of star CFL players maybe taking a look at either the UFL or maybe a, a spot in minicamp in the National Football League? You, you can't rule anything out. The, the window is about to close for anybody who's under contract, so I don't anticipate yeah. we'll see any of those. Um, any more of those guys going down. There's some surprising names who I was a little bit shocked didn't get offers. Certainly a couple of Montreal Letts and Mustafa Johnson and Reggie Stubblefield, who I'm extremely high on. But other than bets, I'm not sure there's going to be a ton of movement there. Obviously, Quantez Stiggers has a chance to get drafted in the NFL, which is an entirely different story. I think he would be the only other guy with serious interest. As for the UFL, I mean, that's a very real possibility. At a number of these positions, there's a bit of a financial squeeze. There's a shift in the marketplace because there's also more rookie talent available this year because of the combination of those two spring leagues and because it is a very strong Canadian draft class coming up. So there's some guys who normally you might see get signed in the CFL who the money's just not there for right now or the interest is just not there for. And they could absolutely 
see if there's potentially the opportunity to double dip and head down to the UFL, see if they can't do that, and then maybe return to the CFL midway through the year like guys like Darnell Sankey have done in the past. Um, I'm sure we will see that evolve as we get closer to that free agency opening. And after we get past that first day, when the majority of those deals get done, you'll see a number of guys who are feeling that pinch and may consider that option. Yeah, and along the lines of that, I was thinking about this. Uh, You know, the XFL and the USFL obviously merging into the UFL. Do you think that's had any type of impact on uh, potential CFL free agents? Have we seen anything in the market maybe that uh, is impacting the decision from the standpoint of CFL players locking in a contract to stay up north? It, It absolutely is playing an impact from the team side of things. Because those teams, those two leagues combining means that there is half the opportunities for Americans in their home countries. I mean, for the last number of years, any scout in the CFL will have told you that we were not the first option for guys coming off the NFL or who didn't get their NFL opportunity. We were the third option at best. Now you're back to a situation where there's some uncertainty with those leagues. There's much fewer spots, and there's a huge influx of talent. If you look at the signings of rookies that have happened in the last month or so, it's A, way more signings than we've been seeing in the month of January and February over the last couple of years, but it's also a higher caliber of talent that's coming up earlier. Guys who are you know, an NFL draft pick just one or two years ago are now signing back in Canada. So that's a good sign for the CFL. It's a huge influx of talent for the league. And that means teams are not as stressed to sign those mid-tier or bottom-of-the-barrel American free agents because they feel comfortable again in their ability to find replacement talent in the free agent market or in the scouting market. Yeah, and those good points. Hey, I don't discriminate. I love all types of football. I'm looking forward to seeing what the UFL has to offer here once it uh, rolls around on the old TV screen. Spring football back. Hey, J.C. Abbott, Three Down Nation. Enjoy the Super Bowl here on Sunday, and I can't say I'm going to be wishing your team good luck because I am not cheering for them. But regardless, enjoy the football game. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Brock Purdy doesn't need your uh, best wishes. He's the greatest CFL quarterback that never was. Be <laughs> That's the line the of the day there. J.C. Abbott, Three Down Nation on the Western Pizza Hotline. Coming up after the break, we are going to head down to Chicago, Illinois and chat with the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Blackhawks, Chris Vosters. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, now joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline, the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Blackhawks on NBC Sports Chicago. It's Chris Vosters. Chris, thanks for taking a couple minutes today. My pleasure. Good to be with you, Sean. Awesome, and uh, this works out nice because, well, yesterday I was scrolling through uh, Twitter or X, and I saw the big news come out that the National Hockey League announced that the 2025 NHL Winter Classic will be featuring the Chicago Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues at Wrigley Field. That's pretty exciting. This is the second time that the game has been hosted at Wrigley. I believe the first time was back in 2009. A six to four loss, uh, Blackhawks uh, to the Detroit Red Wings. But hey, this is pretty sweet. Uh, you must be amped up for this. 
Very much so. It, it's certainly like a, a great boost to uh, everyone's excitement going into next season, and it, and it really adds to a, a lot of the excitement that's already building around the team. It was really cool, I thought, the way that the Blackhawks worked with uh, not just the NHL, but also U.S.-based broadcast partner TNT to announce the Winter Classic at Wrigley Field. They actually... Uh, the, the the team had Connor Bedard film some content actually in the iconic Wrigley Field scoreboard, which is still operated manually. And so that was a, a really cool way to announce the Winter Classic. And then before the Blackhawks Wild game on TNT last night, actually in the first game of the doubleheader involving the Lightning and uh, the Rangers, it uh, it. it they had Connor Bedard live at Wrigley Field to break the news to the TNT audience. So it's uh, it, it you know the way that they announced it certainly helped add to the excitement. And although the 2009 Winter Classic was before my time with the organization, the, the people who were around for it and, and remember it both all, all speak very highly of it. So it's uh, it, it's really cool that it's coming back. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's this game mean to you personally, it being at Wrigley Field? Did you grow up uh, a Chicago Cubs fan? Do you have any connection to Wrigley Field? Well, I, I certainly grew up a baseball fan. I actually grew up one state north of Illinois in Wisconsin. So I was a, a Milwaukee Brewers fan and, and loved the rivalry between the Brewers and the Cubs in the National League Central Division but, you know, I think not just as a baseball fan, but as a fan of sports in general, yeah. Wrigley Field is, is one of the most special and iconic venues anywhere uh, in, in any sport. And for any sports fan out there, I would highly encourage you to put it near the top, if not at the top of your bucket list. As soon as you walk in there, you really just feel the history and, and the passion that has been built up there for a hundred years of, of baseball and Again, looking at the pictures from the 2009 Winter Classic, it, it looks really scenic, even idyllic, with the hockey rink set up as well. So it, uh, it, it's a great venue for multiple sports, concerts as well, if I might add that. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm really pumped. Yeah, this is Chris Vossers, the TV play-by-play voice for the Chicago Blackhawks on NBC Sports Chicago. So I saw the Blackhawks last night. It was a close game, two to one loss at home to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, looked like a pretty entertaining hockey game. I caught some of the second period. Uh, just take us through the events last night. Yeah, you know it, it's you know unfortunately for the Blackhawks, it's it's really kind of uh, the game last night followed the template of what their last several games have been. Really, for the majority of the time Connor Bedard has been out with uh, his fractured jaw, of course. You know, the team the team plays hard, um, is always in every game. You know, they they, uh, they tied the game after a really strong second period last night, but uh, chances are sometimes inconsistent. You know, they had just one shot on goal in the first period last night, and then sometimes the, the finish ability, the ability to win win the close games down the stretch has been – a little bit elusive and uh, you know just it's uh, the team is struggling to score goals right now it is certainly not for lack of effort but that's just kind of where they are 
uh, in the season and with the personnel that they have. So, but one cool storyline was that it was, uh, we, we were calling it the Felino Bowl because <laughs> there was Nick Felino, of course, for the Blackhawks against his brother Marcus for Minnesota, and they each scored a goal. And Marcus got in a fight with Blackhawks defenseman Jared Tenorti. So we were just one assist shy of a, of a collective Felino Gordy Howe hat trick. So that was a, a, a kind of a fun storyline woven into the game last night. Yeah, I saw your tweet regarding that, and I laughed out loud, not going to lie. So the Blackhawks, they're back at it tomorrow night, once again at home to the visiting New York Rangers. And I know everybody's wondering right now, Connor Bedard, when is he going to be back on the ice? Our Regina listeners, our Saskatchewan listeners here, uh, we all know it was back on January 5th when he was uh, you know, hit in the head by Brennan Smith of the New Jersey Devils. So what's the timeline looking like right now for Connor Bedard, Chris Foster's? Well, I'm I'm at the Blackhawks practice facility at Fifth Third Arena right now, and he's for the last even going back to a, a few practices before the All Star break. You know, he he continues to be on the ice in a green non-contact practice jersey, but his involvement within the main practice uh, continues to grow. For a while, he was on the ice, and they didn't even want him taking slap shots because that amount of exertion would cause his jaw to clench. Mm-hmm. too tightly but he's taken slap shots now he's he's able to shoot more actively and he was even doing some uh rush drills with the healthy players at practice just a few moments ago so he's starting to to you know gradually ramp ramp back up and i think the hope for everybody is that he returns right in that 6 to 8 week timeline that they speculated from the moment he had surgery in, in early January. So if you're mapping that out, you know, that's now really just a couple of weeks away, two to three weeks away. So we're certainly hoping that, that he's back in the lineup by the end of February. And there are some big games for, for the Hawks on the schedule coming up, most notably a game against Detroit on February 25th. That will be Patrick Kane's first game back at the United Center since he was traded not yeah. quite one year ago. And it will also be the jersey retirement ceremony for Chris Chelio. So to have him participate in a in a game of that magnitude would be awesome. And uh, things seem to be trending in the right direction. Yeah, that's awesome. We had Chris Chelios on the sports cage not too long ago, and uh, it just seems like an awesome guy. Really looking forward to that night, like you mentioned. And you also mentioned uh, earlier on you are from Wisconsin. And when you said that, my eyes kind of like lit up because I am a big Green Bay Packers fan. So I have to ask you, are you a Packers fan, Chris Vosters? <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, I can, you know, I can uh, perhaps confide in you, Sean, a little more openly than I can with the, uh, yeah. with the average fan down here in Chicago, <laughs> given the, uh, intense rivalry between the Packers and the Bears. But yes, I, I am a Green Bay Packers fan. I've, uh, I've been out of the state for, uh, gosh, nearly a decade now, and my uh, my fandom has not waned. Uh, it's uh, something that you know you're kind of born into in in Wisconsin, and so uh, yes, still a Packers fan, but kind of keep that on the on the down low among uh, all the Bears fans that I'm among here in in Chicago. But there there are a good amount of Packers fans in in Chicago and in Illinois, just given the proximity between the two markets and, and given uh, Chicago's stature as a international city. So, um, it, you know, there are definitely Packers fans to be found down here in Chicago. And I, I respect the rivalry too. I think it's, uh, I think it's the best rivalry in, in pro football. And 
you know, a lot of a lot of things about Packers fans and being a Packer fan uh, remind me of of being a, a Blackhawks fan and just kind of the intense and very deep and 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 multi generational relationship that fans of those two teams have with the uh, with the team with the players with the city so i see a lot of similarities and it's pretty cool yeah no i respect the rivalry too so who do you got in the super bowl here on sunday you know i from from the beginning of the season i will say i i thought the 49ers looked continue to look of course like a super bowl team but the, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and I, I just am really beginning to think of him as maybe the next Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. and I hope that's not sacrilegious to say, but especially if Mahomes is able to win another Super Bowl with this team that, that does not seem to be nearly as strong as Mahomes' Super Bowl-led teams of the past, uh, I, I think you really would have to start putting him in that in that conversation. So, while my, you know, while I will, I guess I'll give you a prediction and say the 49ers just because that's what I've been kind of feeling yeah. since the start of the season. I don't know if, if if I were if I were to go with just kind of a fleeting gut instinct, I, I would I would pick Mahomes and the Chiefs just because that guy seems like a dude who is capable of willing his team to win even when they might be the underdog on paper. Yeah, and being a Packers fan, I you know. I, as much as it pains me, I'm going to have to cheer for the Kansas City Chiefs just because of the heartbreak the Niners laid on us a couple weeks back. I just can't cheer for that team. So I'm going to I'm gonna pull for the Chiefs on Sunday, but uh, we'll see what happens. Chris Vosters, the play-by-play voice on NBC Sports Chicago, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And thanks for joining us today, uh, Chris, and uh, uh, have a good call tomorrow night. The Rangers in town for a big one. Looking forward to it. Uh, definitely great to have an original six matchup. Uh, there'll it'll be a, it'll be a packed house and uh, always a great atmosphere in Chicago on a on a Friday or Saturday night in particular. So, thanks for having me on and 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 good luck uh, with your continued uh, rehab from the from the head cold you got and uh, <laughs> glad to glad to see you're back off the off the shelf yourself, Sean. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. 345 inside the sports cage. Sean Kleisinger alongside Ryan McNally. Looking outside, no more ice blocks are falling for the time being, so that's good. Awfully dangerous kicking off the show. It looked like a like a bowling ball size of ice just plummeted from the top of the Harvard Media Studios to the sidewalk here. Good thing nobody was walking around. I gotta get I gotta get something off my chest. I saw you brought in an A and W cup earlier today, Ryan. Yes. I asked you what was in that cup. And you told me it was Coca-Cola. And I looked at you and I was like, you cannot go to AW and not fill that thing with AW root beer. That's and- what you called sacrilegious and uh sean do you remember what i told you in response i don't because i'm still flustered i don't think anything matters what <laughs> Did, you say back I, I i told you sean that uh, if you were willing to pay for my AW with all the hundreds of thousands of dollars you make on this uh, sports program uh then i'd be more than willing to choke down a, a an AW root beer but i am not a root beer fan never have been never would will you, be would you really though because you said that you i'd can't suck drink it up the, you can't drink the drink you can't drink the drink. You, it bothers your tummy. That's what you said. It, uh, not really. I just don't like the taste. I, I just don't, don't like it. That's like it's that's like going to a 
a restaurant that specializes in ribs and you order like a french fry and a caesar salad and it's just something that you don't do so i feel like that's difference just a teeny tiny bit why because it's food and drink i don't because i still got the a&w burger which is really good i still get you know the a&w fries which are really good Mm -hmm. and just Got it with a Coke instead of a root beer. Feel free to text us, 306-936-6262. Please intervene on this, on the text line, because, uh, yeah, I I just can't get behind that one. Text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. And speaking of A&W, man, me and Barney were talking about it last week. You, You do not eat onion rings in your own vehicle because those things are messy. But there's no doubt about it that Davidson A&W a staple in Saskatchewan. And I miss those days where it was like literally the only restaurant when you're going back and forth from Regina uh, to Saskatoon. That's just my opinion, though. I, if you're going to stop at a joint somewhere on your way to Saskatoon, you got to stop at the A&W. For sure. You know, and uh, I think that's a pretty big staple for uh, some uh, teams on the bus. That uh, go up and down Highway 11 for sure. Yeah. It's uh, hey, we agree on something. We agree. Yeah. And, and hey, speaking of buses as well, that's it. Uh, it clicks my memory or clicks my mind. Uh, on the way into work today, I saw downtown Regina here. The Flin Flom Bombers bus of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is sitting downtown Regina, outside of the Ramada. You could call Regina, Saskatchewan. It's literally the hub of the SJHL for basically every team that's doing the, the, the Southern Road Swing. Because right now, Flin Flon last night, they came away with a big 5-1 win in Wilcox over the Notre Dame Hounds. They have uh, an off day today. And then they head down to Weyburn yeah. tomorrow. So it looks like the Flin Flon boys and girls get a nice little day off at Regina, Saskatchewan. I like, I like that, though. Going into work, I always... Take a moment to glance over to see if there's an SJHL bus sitting there because the LaRange Ice Wolves have a really nice looking bus. It's all uh, deckled out or decaled out, whichever phrasing you want to use. Uh, Flin Flons is looking pretty nice. So it, I don't know if I think they're all pretty much like that. Maybe you can speak more. So as far as. Yeah, you know, uh, there are a few SJ teams that uh, get their own buses. There's still some, I'm betting, that uh, still roll with, like, you know, your standard look of a of a bus. But, uh, you know, definitely uh, Flin Flons has been parked out here for a good chunk of this week, right? Because, yeah. you know, when you're driving down from Flin Flon, it, you got to stay somewhere, right? And, uh, well, don't make it sound like you don't want to stay in Regina, Saskatchewan, the beautiful metropolis. Well, yeah. I mean, look at it outside. It's not even snowing today. You, you don't want to go back to Flin Flon, though. When you have a game in Notre Dame on, well, what is it, Wednesday night, and then uh, yeah. and a game in you know Weyburn on Friday, right? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to make that trip back and forth. That yes. that would not be fun. Yes. There are a couple hotels down in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, which makes me wonder how how come not stay outside of Crescent Point Place in Weyburn, Saskatchewan? But I think uh, I, I saw a couple Flin Flon bombers also walking around the hotel today and it brought back those memories of just like traveling as a hockey team as a kid and some of those uh, friendships and not only friendships but some of the shenanigans maybe you would get in on on, on the road uh, that's the thing you always hear about it all the time when you interview players or coaches what do you miss the most when your playing days are done whether they're professionals or minor hockey players like it might sound cliche but it it's the truth you miss those moments like days like today, the Flin Flon Bombers, who are staying downtown Regina, 
They're not playing any hockey today. They're just socializing, going out for a walk in this beautiful weather that we're having here today. I'm looking at the forecast right now. What is it? It's minus five in the Queen City. But that's what I miss most about playing sports. Yeah, I, I miss it too. You know, uh, I played basketball a bit when I was in uh, high school and stuff. And uh, Lumsden High School used to have this miniature school bus that we would take everywhere. It was just big enough for our basketball team. And uh, I remember going to, you know, Warman for a tournament. Uh, I remember going to Yorkton for a tournament. And uh, it, oh, it was a blast. And like, you know, have your own little traditions too with, uh, you know, the bus, like uh, mini disco ball in the back. You don't touch it. Otherwise, it's bad luck. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's it's such happy memories that you can take with you wherever you go. It's kind of like you don't walk on the logo exactly. in the locker room. Have you ever been in that scenario where you're in a locker room, you're either interviewing somebody or maybe it's your own locker room, and you walk on the logo and everybody just ambushes you and just takes you to the side and maybe gives you a noogie or two and, I don't know, a wedgie? It's happened to me once, <laughs> and it was in the... I don't know if I should say it. Do you know what? I will say it was in the University of Regina Rams locker room uh, quite a while ago. It was a while ago. But ever since then, whenever you go into a locker room, first of all, you got to make sure you know the etiquette and then you got to follow the etiquette. And I learned that the hard way. Yeah, you learned your lesson there, Shawnee. Uh, I remember when Lumsden first got a brand new logo in their foyer. So not really in the gym floor, not really in the dressing room, but in the foyer. And uh, it was tarped off. Uh, around while you know the paint's dried or whatever, and as yeah, I would constantly tell people would walk by, hey, no stepping on this logo, and uh, they listened to me for like a week, <laughs> one <laughs> then, week huh? about one week, and then uh, it, people stopped caring. But uh, no, it was that's kind of a my one connection, I guess, to that because I've never really had that issue uh, in the locker rooms. I I just know better. You don't step on the logo. Bottom line is we're not athletic enough to carry on a long athletic career to be in a number of locker rooms, nice locker rooms with <laughs> logos on the ground. And I will say, though, Sean, a lot more teams are putting the logo up on the ceiling, and that's a really good look. Yeah. Like it's it's really nice. I actually think Chicago uh, is one of those teams, that's the Blackhawks, I think, that had uh, the logo on the roof. And I remember seeing a picture of uh, the University of North Dakota fighting Hawks, their hockey team. I mean, just a beautiful facility. Oh, beautiful. And it's like better than majority of NHL facilities. I think it's safe to say, especially especially when you look at you know some of the teams down south. But their logo, I believe, was up on up on the top. So that is definitely something. Hey, on the text line here three zero six nine three six six two six two. We were talking about that A and W thing. Jamie says you definitely have to get an A and W root beer. See, I'm just fact-checking this before I read all of it on the air. See, sometimes you can't read it word for word because people are naughty. (laughs) Bottom line is, Ryan McNally, this person is very upset at you for uh, filling your cup to the brim with Coca-Cola. Well, uh, Jamie, if you want to pay for A&W anytime, uh, I'll uh, I'll choke down a root beer if uh, I'm not the one paying for it. And if if you want the proof, go check it out at SportsCage. On our Twitter feed at SportsCage, and you can uh, check it out. We are talking SJ. There's no games tonight. The Flin Flon Bombers, we chatted about them. They are staying in downtown Regina. They are back at it uh, tomorrow in Weyburn. And then uh, also tomorrow night, the Nippowin Hawks taking on the Kindersley Clippers. The Melville Millionaires tomorrow uh, taking on the LaRange Ice Wolves all the way up in LaRange. And I wonder if Benny Walchuk will be calling that game. Benny Walchuk. He is the voice of multiple SJHL teams, and I was texting him last night 
because uh, Benny Walchuk will be joining us on the on the cage here in hour two. But he was on his way back from Kindersley as the Yorkton Terriers fell six to two last night in Kindersley. And I, I asked Benny, so what's the plan tomorrow? Do you think you could join us? And this guy's such a hard worker, man. He Right away, he was like, yeah, I can join you. I think I'll be able to sleep in a bit tomorrow, but I'll be able to hop on at the time that you said. So I wonder if it's a quick turnaround for him, from, for him because he went from Kindersley back to Yorkton, and now maybe he's going to be going all the way from Yorkton up to LaRange uh, tomorrow. And I'm guessing that road trip would be happening today. It wouldn't be happening the day of the game, right? So. No, it would they'd definitely go up the day before. But uh, the thing about Benny is not only does he call multiple teams in the SJHL, uh, he does you know Melville games as well as Yorkton games. He does games in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League too. So not only is he doing multiple teams, he's doing multiple teams in multiple leagues. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a pretty heavy workload. But he loves it. That's the thing, right? Like he just loves it over there and you know, loves calling hockey. That is a lot of speaking. It is. Because when you look at across the board, play-by-play in sports, there's no doubt the most speaking, the most words coming out of your mouth is when you're doing play-by-play of hockey games. And you don't need me to tell you that. But especially on the radio, because on the radio, you have to even dive into it that much more, right? Because visually... If you're commentating a game on TV, you can just kind of plop words here or there because you're visually watching it. But Benny Walchuk to do like three or four teams on the radio yet, like the guy's an absolute. I'm gonna ask him if he's a robot. Do you plug? <laughs> do you plug yourself in at the end of the day and then kind of just unplug when you wake up? Like, are you charged on a battery, Benny Walchuk of GX94 Yorkton? But I'm going to ask that of them. Uh, the other games I didn't mention that are happening tomorrow in the SJ. Humboldt is in Melfort, and the Battleford's North Stars are in Notre Dame to take on the Notre Dame Hounds as those Hounds, they're struggling just a bit this year. They fell, like I said, 5-1 to one yesterday at the Flin Flon, and dead last in the standings right now, the Notre Dame Hounds are 11 Thirty and two, and the verdict is in. Go ahead, Ryan. I was gonna say that uh, Broncos and uh, Mustangs game—that's a big rivalry. That is they, a big one. They they uh, they get really psyched up for that rivalry. About goes back to when they were uh, in in the same division. They're now not, but uh, yeah, that's a big rivalry, and uh, that'll be one I'm definitely gonna pay attention to. Yeah, very big game for those two teams, and they're two good hockey teams this year too. Humboldt fifty-eight points in the Nutrient Division, and uh, Melford sitting at sixty-one points in the Sherwood division. So big night in the SJ tomorrow. And we have a big hour two in store for you as we're going to take a break for the news. And Arash Madani standing by live from Las Vegas, Nevada to give his updated thoughts on the big Super Bowl happening on Sunday. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Here's Sean Kleisinger. Here we go, hour two inside the sports cage, and I started to panic a bit there. I was wondering where my chocolate bar and my bag of potato chips went. You might hear it. I have it right here. Not felt scared there for a second. Where's my snack? Not like I can eat it right now, anyways. Hey, I'm Sean Kleisinger. Ryan McNally alongside with me. Thursday show brought to you by Extreme Hockey. It's the end of an era as Jason Dagelman passes the puck off to Donnie and Tarrington at Extreme Hockey and Sport. New owners with the same goals, though, proudly serving Regina and its community for 35 years. Coming up at the bottom of this hour, 
More Regina Pat talk. Pats with a big win last night in Calgary. Dante DeCaria. Nobody is more closer to the team than that man. And Ryan McNally caught up with Dante DeCaria a little earlier on today. And uh, we'll have that conversation at 4.30. And we talked with J.C. Abbott in hour one. And feel free to always text us up too, by the way. 306-936-6262. That is the text line for Capital Ford Lincoln. Uh, Capital Ford Lincoln is Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer. J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation giving us the big lowdown, all the latest happenings in the Canadian Football League. And I kind of saw this one. Didn't have time to ask him about this because we were talking about defensive tackles and defense alignment. Well, Armando Sewell has been released from the Montreal Alouettes, and that is one football player that I've always loved from afar. Now, we don't know much more into this. Is he being released from his contract to pursue other CFL opportunities, or does it date back to our topic of conversation with the United Football League? So we don't know quite yet, but Amando Sewell, if we're talking about help along the defensive line, uh, I know the Riders, they came to terms today with a big target, former defensive end from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Malik Carney. It looks like he's going to be signing on the dotted line with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next week. But Amando Sewell, Ryan McNally, that guy is a football player. That guy's a, that guy's a football player's football player. Like, he is real good. And like you, Sean, I've inv- admired him from afar. Uh, always kind of hoped that uh, he'd find his way in green and white, but uh, it's just never kind of come to fruition. And uh, with him uh, potentially available here, yeah, I mean, why not take a swing at uh, a guy that's, uh, you know, a phenomenal talent and, uh, you know, helped win a great cup last year. Yeah, he spent the last couple seasons with Montreal. Before that, he was with the then Edmonton Eskimos. Don't get mad at me. That's what they were called at the time from 2012 to 2020. I want to say, yeah, it was all the way up to uh, the COVID era. And then, yeah, before that, I mean, attended the College of Akron. And uh, Monto Sewell would be a nice addition to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And you can always text us up. 306-936-6262 on the text line. Uh, Jared says that his favorite free agent pickup thus far is AJ Ouellette. And then he goes on to say uh, a lot more context here. But in a nutshell, that's what he says. And I want to piggyback off that point because AJ Ouellette, that is a guy that I have dreamed of being in green and white for quite some time. And I remember last year during... The CFL season, we had AJ Olette on the sports cage, and I remember talking with him. And I said to him, AJ, you are my favorite running back in the Canadian Football League. And then I kind of went into it and I said, you know, I was just pumping his tires for like 30 seconds straight. And then I said to him at the end, I would love for you to come to Rider Nation someday. And then do you know what he said to me, actually? And I'm going to hold him to this next time I chat with him. He said, Oh, I appreciate, I'm paraphrasing here, but AJ Olette, he told me that, oh, I appreciate that, man. I'm going to, I'm going to send you one of my jerseys. He said that to me. <laughs> and so the next time we get AJ Olette on these radio airwaves, 
I might have to go back in the archives and find that audio and play it for AJ and be like, hey, AJ, do you remember me? I talked with you back in July of 2023. We had this conversation and uh, oh, yeah, just still waiting for that jersey. But it works out even better now because my jersey could be green and white. That's uh, phenomenal. But also his hair matches Saskatchewan so well. Yeah, The the yes. mullet coming through the uh, the helmet is, is awesome. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing him uh, in Rider Nation. Uh, Running behind my favorite uh, CFL pickup so far with uh, Jamarcus Hardrick coming to Saskatchewan again because that offensive line has struggled mightily the last two years. And so finally, finally, we have an offensive tackle that can help address that situation. I really have loved what the Riders have done thus far. Frankie Hickson back, and we talked about it yesterday. A.G. Ouellette, he's the thunder. Frankie Hickson, he's the lightning. And... We had another texter, 3069366262. JC texted in, and uh, no, not JC Abbott, just a a listener. He says every time uh, he gets mistaken that AJ Ouellette is a Canadian, but he is actually not a Canadian. Hmm. When you look at his last name, I could see where JC's coming from because uh, when you look at the name, okay, maybe French Canadian, but no, AJ Ouellette is from Covington, Ohio, so he will count as an American on the roster for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here in 2024. So uh, more CFL talk coming up at the bottom of Hour 3 as Glenn Suter with his uh, weekly Thursday installment. Coming up next, though, on the other side of this commercial break in 60 seconds, Arash Madani live from Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Super Bowl week. You are listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Oh, yes, thank you, the Sports Cage. Sean Kleisinger alongside Ryan McNally. Big week it was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and continues to be. Can't wait for that pen to meet the paper next week and we can officially, you know, start reaching out to the Rough Riders and getting some of these new players live on the show. Cannot wait for that. Our sports cage clutch performer today goes to Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats. Pats with a big win last night in Calgary over the Calgary Hitmen. And Tanner Howe, first star of the game. He had one goal, two assists, Pats win, and the Pats are off now until Saturday when they're back at the Brandt Center to meet the visiting Edmonton Oil Kings. And Ryan McNally mentioned it in Hour 1, how the Pats have not yet beat the Edmonton Oil Kings this year, which is kind of a head-scratcher because you look at the standings. Edmonton dead last in the standings, and if the Pats want to make the playoffs, probably should beat the Edmonton Oil Kings. It was a nice win last night, though. 5-3 5-3 over the Calgary Hitmen for the Regina Pats, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. And we are now joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Last time we chatted, Arash, it was a Tuesday afternoon. Here we are. It's a Thursday, another day closer to the Super Bowl. Have you noticed a lot more people kind of floating through the city as the week progresses? Yeah, the, the creatures are showing up, Zinger. That's that's the best way I can put it. Um, it's starting a little more hectic. And but the biggest takeaway today was Travis Kelsey saying it was chippy at Kansas City's practice. The offensive and defensive lines got 
at one another. You know, you expect to see stuff like that. Roughhousing happen after the whistle in training camp. Kelsey's saying that's happening Super Bowl week. And, you know, Kelsey said that got me fired up seeing everybody locked in. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? There will be some people out there that think, oh, okay, this team, they're not, you know, they're losing their heads. They're not going to win it. But I, I think that's a good thing, right? Why I not? think it's a good thing because they, it means they're actually, they're not distracted. You know, there's Vegas, it's the Super Bowl, it's the dynasty, you know, they're on their phones, whatever. This just means they are dialed in to the task at hand. And I, I, I actually think these guys realize how, you know, when you've been to four in five years, you realize how hard it is. We can't screw this up. To me, that's the message in all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know Patrick Mahomes. We know we know Travis Kelsey. We know all the big stars, Arash. But uh, I saw your piece that you did uh, at Arash Badani on Twitter. How about Trent uh, Trent Williams? For those that don't have Twitter, maybe or X, maybe just take us through Trent Williams' story. The big starting left tackle for the San Francisco Forty ers Well, Trent Williams is already a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's in his fourteenth year in the league. This is his first. Super Bowl. He is the best left tackle in the game, best offensive lineman in the game, richest offensive lineman in NFL history, and the respect he has, not just in his locker room, Zinger, mm-hmm. but just talking to Donovan Smith and talking to the couple of the Kansas City offensive linemen, the respect that he has among football players, and especially the O-line fraternity, is significant, and they rave about him large part of this, because they weren't even sure if this dude would be alive. Like, if you go back five years ago, doctors told him he was in his last days because he had a rare, aggressive form of cancer that was approaching his brain, and he had to go through surgery to remove a tumor, and Helen back in the cancer ward, he didn't even think about football for eight months and somehow, some way, ends up cancer-free. He actually, Zinger said, I feel guilty that I was the one who was able to get out of that cancer ward and some weren't. But he said, I just have so much gratitude for a second chance at life. A second chance at life, a second chance at a football career where he says, I want to be the best ever at my position. He may very well be already. And he's going to suit up in his first career Super Bowl where all those teammates who have so much respect for him badly want to win one for Big Trent. Hey, like outside of the game itself, that's what really makes Super Bowl week. Don't you think, Arash, every single year there's a story or two or maybe a handful that just really stick out? And this year, I mean, that that's at the top for me. Yeah, and just, you know, being down here, you're lucky. You know, I'm, I'm lucky or Cruz lucky, Zinger. We're over... Media Row today, and DeMar Hamlin walked by, and I'm thinking to myself, that dude died on the football field, and then they brought him back to life. Mm. Um, there are a bunch. Um, there, there absolutely um, are a number of these things. And then, you know, from a football standpoint, mm. how about Brock Purdy if he wins one? The last mm. pick taken in the draft a couple of years ago could lead San Francisco to a championship. 
Do you have your finger on the pulse uh, uh, as far as like how's like the fan engagement going in Las Vegas right now? Do you see uh, a lot more San Francisco 49ers supporters that kind of 50-50 between the 49ers and Chiefs? Because I feel like if you're a neutral watching this game, a lot of people around here, they're cheering for exactly that. Brock Purdy to win the Super Bowl, Mr. Relevant to maybe a Super Bowl MVP, something like that. Yeah, here's the thing, Zinger. The Super Bowl is one of the worst fan experiences you can ever have. It is a neutral site game. I've seen as many Cowboys and Raiders and um, Patriots colors as I have anything else. You know, it's $10,000 just for a ticket to the game. If you can afford a hotel room, if you can afford a flight, um, I was just talking to Chase Brown, a Canadian in the NFL, and he's like, oh, my God, flights. He's like, we we're going to stay, and then we just realized flights going to be $2,000 on Monday to get out. So it's it's not at all a fan experience whatsoever. If, if you're interested in going to a championship game, go to the AFC or NFC title game where there is a home field advantage. A neutral site game like a Super Bowl is just a corporate environment. Yeah. Where where will uh, you be watching the game on Sunday? Are you going to be up in a box? Are you going to be in your hotel room with your feet up? What's a rashes Sunday? No, we'll be at the stadium. We'll be at the stadium. We're getting ready for it. And uh, we get into the stadium on Monday for media night, and then you don't get back um, until game day. So I'm assuming that Usher and his crew and um, – and the CBS crew are getting everything ready for Sunday, and then we all go in on game day, Zinner. Uh, Rash, Ryan McNally here. I uh, just wanted to ask, does this kind of almost feel like San Fran's last kick at this, uh, just with their salary cap situation? I mean, they got a lot of high-caliber, talented dudes on offense and defense, and uh, they still have a quarterback to pay. Uh, I don't think it's their last kick at all, to be honest with you. Um they don't have to pay the quarterback for two more years. I think this is their full championship window right now. They just gave Debo the bag. They might lose Ayuk. They have Kittle under contract. They just gave CMC some money. Um, I think San Francisco is going to be around for a while. That said, win when you can because you never know. You're always a couple of injuries away from everything you know falling sideways. It felt like the Niners, after four years ago, were going to be perennial NFC favorites. And then, you know, along came Philly and along came the Rams. Uh, I think in any sport, it's win when you can because you, you have to start all over again from scratch. Um, and that said, I think that the Niners are going to be an NFC power for a little while still. Arash, I want to go back to a point that you said on Tuesday. It kind of relates to this. Uh, the 49ers, they haven't been in the Super Bowl since uh, 2019. Now, I say that like that's a long time ago, but it's not really that long. But uh, Kyle Shanahan, you said how he just seems a little bit more you know, relaxed this time around. Maybe just dive into that point again, because I think it could possibly pay huge dividends on Sunday here, being you know he's the offensive play caller. Well, what I would say about Shanahan is this. I think he has to have learned his lesson now. Learned his lesson from being the play caller in Atlanta when they led 28-3 and blew it. And learned his lesson from that Super Bowl against Kansas City and Miami 
where they led by 10 points in the fourth quarter, and then the Mahomes onslaught began. Like, this is why, to me, Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of the most important players in this football game because the Niners in their red zone, the Niners when they're on the doorstep of the goal line, I don't think they're going to be cute. I think they're just absolutely going to pound the rock because Kyle Shanahan doesn't need everybody in the world to see just how extensive his playbook is. It's burned him in two Super Bowls before. Just, you know, as as I like to say in baseball, Zinger, see ball, hit ball. Um, that, that almost feels like that's how it's got to go with with the play calling for Shanahan and the Niners. That said, Arash, is there much more in the NFL more dangerous than uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid with two weeks to prepare for a defense? No, no. You know, like I, I look at this, and I, to me, the Niners are by far the better team. But how can you pick against 15 and 87? Don't forget Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. You know, um, they just continue. Like, I thought they were going to lose to Buffalo. And then I thought they were going to lose to Baltimore. And now here they are in the Super Bowl again. And you look around and you say, okay, well, am I really going to bet against them again? Because I thought Philly was going to beat them last year in the Super Bowl, too. And we saw how that went. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to see any Philly-type specials Super Bowl uh, 2024 style. I wonder what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have up their sleeve. Arash, I know you've been uh, at head deep in Super Bowl coverage and stuff, but I'm sure that you've been kind of keeping tabs on, you know, CFL free agency, whatnot, just screwing I haven't at all, Zinger. No? Nothing? No. No. I have been so kind of locked in on... Locked in on this. Yeah, no, that's... Um, so, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you then, because this I was going to wrap. Uh, just give me your prediction of the Super Bowl game. I like San Francisco. Yeah. I, I just think... I, I know, I get all that. Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed, I get all of it. Um, I'm just going with the more talented team. The better team. And I think the better team... On Sunday at San Francisco, so I'm going with them. San Francisco 49ers, says Arash Badani. Ryan, I can't remember your prediction. What was it? I was taking Chiefs just because of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes getting two weeks to prepare for a team. I'm going with the Chiefs, Arash, so it looks like you're outnumbered. We'll see what happens. Arash Badani, thanks for joining us, man, and I can't wait. I guess we're going to bring you on tomorrow. One more hit tomorrow to kind of set the final scene, and then uh, away we go. We'll be into the weekend, just a couple more days until kickoff. I appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you then. That's Arash Madani on the Western Pizza Hotline for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Dante DeCaria, the play-by-play voice of the Regina Pats, chatting with Ryan McNally. That's coming up in a few minutes. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 431 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. All you have to do is give them a call at 781-2090. Looking at the NHL tonight, Vancouver is in Boston, Washington, and South Beach taking on the Florida Panthers, the Calgary Flames in New Jersey, the Winnipeg Jets taking on the Philadelphia Flyers on the road, Colorado at Carolina, the Tampa Bay Lightning on Long Island to meet the New York Islanders, and the Vegas Golden Knights. They are away from Cincinnati. 
City right now. They are in the desert to meet the Coyotes at 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Joining me on the Western Pizza Hotline is Dante DiCaria, Pat's play-by-play guy. Dante, how are you doing here today? Brian, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. That's good to hear. I understand you guys are still on the road here uh, with a bit of a weather last night that uh, kept you in Calgary. Yeah, I mean, I was on the air last night, myself and Spencer Welby, just kind of signing off on the broadcast saying, uh, happy bus ride home, eight hours to Regina, and looking forward to Saturday's game, and then uh, sure enough, things took a turn. Unfortunately, uh, the roads were pretty bad between uh, Swift Current and uh, Moose Jaw all the way towards Regina. So uh, the Regina Pats uh, decided to, uh, I guess, uh, stay in Medicine Hat for the night and drive back today, which uh, was the right call for sure. i um, happy to see that the boys are going to get back home safe today. That's good to hear that, uh, you know, it, uh, those precautions were taken. I uh, want to ask about yeah. the uh, win last night. You uh, and QA making 38 stops and a 5-3 win. Uh, was that a must-win game for the Pats? Yeah, no, it was a must-win game. I mean, you talk about the Calgary Hitmen, seven points up on the Regina Pats coming into that game, and the Pats, you know, leave, you know, Alberta, now five points back at the Hitmen in the Eastern Conference standings. And Regina will play Calgary one more time this year, and that's the family day, 2 o'clock start on February 19th before the Pats head on their U.S. road trip. And that's going to be another crucial game coming up for the regiment. But uh, you mentioned UNQA. He was spectacular in net for the Pats. He stopped 13 of 15 in the third period. He stopped all 17 that he faced in the second period. And he stopped 8 of 9 in the first period. So I really liked his performance last night, and hopefully he can build off it heading into Saturday's must-win game against Edmonton because Regina has lost all three matchups against the Oil Kings this season, so really interested to see on what happens there. How good is it to see Tanner Howe getting back into the swing of things? Because he had a stretch there of about 12 games. He only had one goal, and uh, he's been uh, really solid this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he was able to pick up a goal and two assists last night in Calgary. It was uh, pointless in Medicine Hat, but the game prior against Medi- or against Red Deer, he had a goal and uh, one assist. So now he's got goals in two of his last three games heading into Saturday's game against Edmonton. And, you know, to me, what stood out about Tanner's game last night in Calgary was the fact that late in the game, he was the guy laying the body out on the line. He was the one blocking shots. He was the, the guy leading by example. And to me, you can't really look, you know, as far as the points in terms of, you know, his production and and what he does for this team. I think his just his leadership abilities and what he does away from the puck is, is what makes him such a good captain and, and somebody who should play pro in the next couple of years. So really happy in, in how Tanner has played. And again, you can't really look as far as the points. I know he had only scored a goal in you know his previous 12 games, but hey, this is a guy who was still doing the little things right. He was maybe a little bit snake-bitten, but uh, you know those slumps kind of happen. We mentioned you and Huey a little earlier making 38 stops last night. Uh, he also faced a ton of shots uh, against Swift Current in the 3 nothing loss. Uh, is the shot total getting a little concerning for the Pats? No, I mean, you know, I get asked that question a lot, Ryan, and, and the reason why I don't think it's concerning is because, uh, you know, I have the ability to talk to the coaches after the game and, and go through some of the advanced stats, and they don't really worry too much about shots on net. They worry about grade A chances from the opposition and grade A chances for themselves. And, you know, obviously you want to outshoot the opponent more times than not, just given that it maybe wears down the opposition's goaltender. But a lot of the shots the Pats are giving up are coming from the outside of the ice. And when the Pats aren't going good is when they're giving up shots from the home plate area, shots from the slot, grade, grade A danger chances. And, 
the Regina Pats over the last couple of games have actually outchanced the opposition in terms of those chances coming from you know grade A scoring opportunities. So uh, to me, that kind of what stands out the most. I, I know the Pats are going to give up as many shots as they want from the outside of the ice. Calgary is a team in which does shoot the puck a lot, averaging around 38 shots on net per game. So it was too expected that they were going to get around 40 shots last night. But, uh, yeah, no, UA had to make some big-time saves, so it's not really a concerning stat for me. Pat's blue line's a little banged up. Uh, we noticed Ty Gibson, yeah. uh, you know, got a little banged up against Medicine Hat. Butchkowski's been out uh, for a while, and, uh, yeah. you know, Corbin Vaughn out uh, since Christmas. Is that becoming a concern as well? No, not a concern because Vaughn should be back in the next two weeks or so. Hopefully he'll be back by the U.S. road trip. I, I talked to Ty Gibson uh, prior to the game yesterday, and he said he's hoping to get back in the next couple of weeks as well, so that's a positive sign. But great opportunity for Braden Smith to jump into the lineup and see what he brings to this team, expected to make the club next year as a 17-year-old. I really liked his game last night in Calgary. You know, Got off a flight from Saskatoon at around 4 o'clock and was dressing for the game at 7 o'clock, and that's real tough for a a 16-year-old to go into a, a tough environment in a crucial playoff-style game against Calgary and an NHL rink. So I commend Braden Smith on the job that he did last night. Really like the way he moves the puck. I like the chances that he created for the Regina Pat. And I think he has a really bright future with this team at 17, 18, 19 and might be playing pro at 20. That's how good he is. So nice to see him get an opportunity. But, hey, the Pats still have, you know, Keegan Slaney and Carson Haynes on the back end. And hopefully Butch Kaus can come back, you know, in the next three weeks or so. So, uh, in the month of March, Regina is probably going to have, you know, seven or eight healthy defensemen, which is what they need. So, you know, nice to see Smith get an opportunity and hopefully the team can prevail. You know, we've got a homestand here coming up. Uh, three games uh, coming up here next week that, uh, you know, see the Pats at the Brand Center. Uh, how big are these games coming up with Edmonton, Medicine Hat, and Swift Current all coming to the Brand? Yeah, I mean, I think really every game in the final 17 games of the season is crucial for this team to stay in the hunt. They're 10th in the Eastern Conference standings, five points back at the eighth and final playoff spot. I know that they've played more games than, than Calgary, has three games at hand on them, but still, I mean, every game is an opportunity to control your own fate. I mean, we can't be scoreboard watching and looking at what Calgary does or what Prince Albert does or what Leftbridge does because we can really only control what what happens in the standings, and that's get two points, right? And Saturday's game is a must-two points. Like, you can't lose two points on Saturday against the Edmonton Oil Kings. I know it's a team that's had the Pats number, but they need to find a way to get the victory. And then you go into, you know, Tuesday's game against Medicine Hat. In that season series, it's tied up at two. Both teams have won their all their matchups on home ice, so that maybe bodes well to the Regina Pats' favor on home ice on Tuesday. And then you look at the home-and-home home stretch coming up with the Swift Current Broncos, another big-time game Friday and Saturday must-win game as well, and then the Pats will finish up their, their February home schedule on Family Day when they take on the Calgary Edmonton, and to me, that's going to be the most important game of the season because it is the final time that Regina plays Calgary this year, so big-time games coming up over the next five for the Pats before they head on that U.S. road trip. I'd really like to see the team you know, sitting in eighth in a playoff spot by the time they hit the road trip, but they're going to have to control their fate for sure. I know you got a game coming up here on Saturday, but I wanted to ask about Medicine Hat coming up on Tuesday. Don't they just skate mm-hmm. into the ice? Like, oh, are they hard to play against? Yeah, I mean, they roll all four lines, and they're young, and they've got a really tough back end, and they've got two really good young goaltenders as well. I, that's, to me, what makes Medicine Hat so impressive. Just watching them on Tuesday at Co-op Place, it's just so fun to watch 
a team like that play. And they're actually missing two key players out of their lineup. Caden Lindstrom, probably going to be a top 10 NHL pick, almost playing at a goal per game pace this season, is currently dealing with an injury. And I'm not entirely sure when he will return, but I hope to see him back sometime soon because you never want to see elite young players out of the lineup for a long period of time. And then Braden Bame has been out for, you know, more than half of the season. He was playing at a point per game pace to start the year as a 19-year-old and is expected to be a key 20-year-old for this Tigers team next year. And then, you know, on top of that, you look at all the young players they have, like Gavin McKenna and Hunter St. Martin. I really like his game as well. And on the back end, they have three really tough 20-year-old D and Rhett Parsons and Drew Krebs and Bogdan's Hodis, a really impressive squad for Medicine Hat. So if you want to come out to the Brand Center and see some future NHLers and some really good young rising stars, then you're going to be treated to a really good game on Tuesday. Awesome, Dante. Always great to chat with you, and uh, best of luck, and uh, hope the uh, road home is uh, a little more smooth today. Thank you so much, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And Adder, 442 inside the Sports Cage. More hockey talk. GX94's Benny Walchuk joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline now after a long night of traveling. Benny, happy to hear that you're back safe and sound. And my first question is, you're not going to... I think we lost Benny. We lost Benny. Yeah, well, we're going to try to get Just give me a second. I was going to ask Benny if he is going to be making his way up to La Ranch, Saskatchewan, because Benny does cover for the Yorkie Terriers and for the Melville Millionaires. And we got Benny. We got him. We got Benny. That's almost like a Seinfeld episode. Title name. Exactly. You got Benny? We got Benny. We got here, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. So, uh, yeah, are you making your way up to La Ranch now? Please tell me, no, just for uh, your well-being. No, not this weekend. I got uh, got the weekend off. But, uh, yeah, it's been a busy stretch the last few weeks here, but uh, taking a weekend off for myself. A weekend off for Benny Walchuk doesn't exist, and you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A lot of people say that's, uh, that's not real. But, uh, yeah, sometimes, especially with the stretch run coming up here in the next month or so, got to take a little bit of a break. Hopefully it'll be a busy uh, springtime. What batteries do you take? Benny Walchuk, do, do you got double A's, triple A's? Like, do, do you change them every night? Do you plug plug yourself in at night? Like, holy smokes, man! I know. Yeah, it's been it's a busy time of year, but uh, yeah, just gonna keep uh, keep hydrated and uh, keep uh, keep myself active, doing the, doing normal things a little bit, and just kind of keeping healthy and keeping rested. Dude, is that the key when you're on the bus so much? Just pure hydration more than anything because there's not a lot of moving around and you could easily get dehydrated. I found that out on my short time periods uh, traveling on buses because you don't feel like you're thirsty. But when you get off the bus, you're hobbling around like, you know, you were just getting out of a, I don't know, fill in the blank. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, a lot of water, a lot of a lot of G two, and uh, get just kind of stand up on the bus sometimes and, and stretch a little bit because it can. Uh, you get a little stiff, and then you kind of get you time your naps. And we've had a few lengthy trips your last few weeks, so you kind of time your naps a little bit. Don't want to sleep too much, but uh, you want to keep busy though, but uh, keep resting in the same uh, same breath. And Benny, before uh, we start talking more hockey, uh, let's talk off the ice. How is the the season ticket blitz going for the Yorkton Terriers? Last I saw, 
uh, I was doing the calculations. I think it was around like $54,000, something like that. I was doing the calculations, like 216 season tickets times by however much it costs. But I'll let you uh, tell our listeners. Yeah, yeah they're around that, just under the 300 uh, ticket range. So so pretty good start. I know they had, had a goal to get the 1,000 the first week. I didn't accomplish that, but uh, it's been a great uh, great season ticket blitz so far. The biggest thing is getting the awareness out there. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are... Not only buying season tickets, we had a lot of uh, meals that are that were bought on the road from from fans, from former players, from from sponsors, from parents, uh, so on and so forth. So I'd like to thank uh, them for those delicious meals, and uh, they're having some great initiative. The fifty fifty was almost over three grand in their the last home game. Hopefully, more of the same here this weekend with their with their telemiracle night on, on Saturday against Weyburn. So uh, it's gone off to a pretty good start. To know tickets are still available, want to get those at the York Interiors. Uh, dot com. You can find all the information on the social media. And also another thing is they, they kind of came out with a press release yesterday kind of explaining the situation they're in, asking some questions that I'm sure they've heard from the public and from, from fans across uh, the York, city and community of York and across Saskatchewan. So it's been a pretty good start, but the biggest thing is, I know they haven't reached the, kind of their goal of a 1,000 yet, but uh, the awareness is a big thing. And I think a lot of people are aware uh, of the situation now with the chairs. Yeah, I'll, that was going to be my next point. How has that awareness uh, kind of been recepted so far has it kind of been where you expected i know the 1000 season tickets is kind of the goal but i mean three hovering around 300 that's pretty good no it is pretty good i know the price is a little bit lower so it's got to take a little bit more here to get uh to get price wise but uh, i think the awareness has been outstanding of course people are going to have questions still of uh why they got in this situation they tried to answer that with that press release as i mentioned but there's still be some more questions and uh there's still be some work to be done i know they mentioned it there's going to be there's going to be a sportsman dinner here coming up very very shortly. They're going to get their egg project back, which will give be a great fundraiser. It has been a good fundraiser for for junior hockey teams uh, over the years. They're going to have some more uh, initiatives happening here in the summertime to raise a little bit more money. So I think uh, reception has been has been pretty good. Of course, people like you said have questions, and uh, a lot of people are sending their suggestions in, which is good for the for the Terry organization. But uh, yeah, it's been been pretty good so far. Now hopefully. They have a lot of the home games here in the month of February, so hopefully the, the fan support can come out and support this team here down there, their playoff push. Yeah, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but for those that haven't seen it, can you maybe like paraphrase a bit what that press release is, uh, was about yesterday and just how the Terriers got to this point? So people that are listening out there maybe don't know, you know, if they're kind of on the fence whether or not to buy season tickets. Maybe this can help, you know, push them over the line and pull the trigger, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Of course, I was part of the, or I wasn't a part. I was with along with the ride in 2014 when they won the national championship, and it was a great run. We had great fan support, and uh, ever since, maybe a few years after that, the maybe the, the community support has been down a little bit. And then, of course, with the last couple of years with with the COVID situation, it's affected a lot of people uh, in our society, and it's affected junior hockey teams. Uh, and, uh, and sports and, and just society in general. So I think it, it affected the York Terriers maybe a little bit more than people thought. Uh, they really kind of said that people kind of found different ways to get entertained, uh, doing other things, other activities uh, in the community, and uh, and just the fan support hasn't been hasn't been there that it was. You know, Sponsorship-wise, has been down uh, a little bit as well, and just people are just simply not coming to the rink and, and watching junior hockey. So uh, there's a couple of issues that way. A lot of people with with the inflation and other uh, economic uh, factors and financial factors, it's become uh, expensive to come to a hockey game, which is. Especially if you go four or five people to a game, it's over $150, almost $150 sometimes to go to a game if you factor in your tickets and your and your meal and so on and so forth. So uh, that's kind of thing. And just uh, maybe maybe didn't 
fundraise as much as they shot uh, thought uh, budget wise. Maybe didn't uh, didn't uh, kind of attack their their financial situation as quickly or as uh, as aggressively as they think. So it's uh, it's one of those things. It's a uh, it's a tough situation to be in, but uh, you kind of got to look look back on that. So you have to look forward and and get a move forward here with the with the ideas. Uh, they have going forward some ideas fresh from the public and you just got to move ahead you can't think about the past and what happened you kind of can't dwell on it you just got to move forward and in a positive situation and i'll get you to give this info at the end of our conversation here but if someone wants to get in on a season ticket package uh where can they do so uh you can go online to to yorkinterriers.com to to get your ticket they have a link there you can uh phone them i know they have office hours in the afternoon usually then on game days from about four to to nine or ten o'clock at night after the game you can call them at three zero six uh, 783-4077, uh, or you can just contact them on social media. They're going to have a, have a kind of link there to kind of get your season ticket. And, and Calvin DeCarchuk's been great, the public relations and marketing manager for the Terriers, done a great job of getting the awareness out there. So I'm sure you can contact Calvin as well and he'll give you all those details. Benny, you're not just the voice of the Yorkton Terriers, but uh, you also have a couple of other teams on your roster. Uh, what's that like to you know not only call games for the Terriers, but uh, I imagine you also do some millionaire stuff, but uh, also calling games in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League as well? Yeah, it, it's it's very it's very fun to be a part of both leagues and uh, kind of get uh, attacked from different angles. Also gives me a really good chance to make the postseason. I have three chances to make a postseason <laughs> call playoff hockey, which is which is great too. So. Yeah, it, it, it's a unique experience. I know it's great to be involved in all three communities, meet the great people, the organizations, get to meet the, meet all the fans in those communities, and, and get to know the players, which is which is the best part. Of getting to know the players, their families, and kind of keep track of them when they when they leave the leave the respective organizations when they become maybe accountants or, or professional hockey players or, or doctors or whatever they become uh, in the in their in their life after hockey so it's just great to be involved and, and get to know the people that's the biggest part is uh, just getting to know the people and then the, the hockey and the great hockey we've had a chance to call the last number of years is kind of just the icing on the cake so it's great and then i'm looking forward to it here down the stretch hopefully a couple of teams i know swan valley is currently on the outside looking in maybe a little bit too high of a hill to climb for them to make the postseason but hopefully the malibu millionaires and york interiors can can both sneak into the playoffs and get some playoff hockey yeah, you mentioned uh, Yorkton, Melville, Swan Valley. Uh, I imagine you've also uh, traveled a little bit with uh, all three of those teams. Uh, see why I mean when uh, I tell you that uh, there's no such thing as weekends off for uh, Benny Walchuk? Yeah, I know. It's it, it's a, it's an intense situation. I know even the start of the year I coach football, so that's, that's busy from September to, to November. So I'm usually... If I'm not calling hockey, I'm at the I'm at the football field or at the school from from after school to around six thirty seven, and then we have games on on Tuesdays and Thursdays usually during the week. So uh, when I'm from uh, September to November, there's no really no time off to do, do a whole lot, but uh, but I enjoy it to like give it back to the community and uh, give it back to the youth and coaching football, but also calling some great hockey. So so it keeps me busy and it keeps me out of trouble. And he can coach Benny Walchuk. Okay, uh, are we talking a position coach, coordinator? What what kind of role do you do in football, Benny? Yeah, uh, well, I'm a, I'm a head coach of the Malville Junior Cobras team. We're a grade seven, eight, and nine uh, football team. We play uh, in the Parkland Junior Football League against teams like Estrehazy, Mooseman, um, uh, Fort Capel. Uh, we play in that kind of league, and then I, I help coach the, the senior Cobras football team as well, the high the nine aside football program in Malibu, and I help with the with the offense, kind of the co-offensive coordinator on that team. So uh, we had a couple of years ago and a couple of good runs to the provincial semifinals. Been a, kind of rebuilding the last couple of years, but uh, looking forward to to the roster we're putting together here coming up this fall. A lot of good guys coming up from our grade nine group, and uh, great, a couple of great, uh, uh, very very uh, potentially 
junior and maybe university players coming up in our in our grade 12 program as well this year so it's uh looking forward to it we start with spring football coming up here in the next couple of months so it's uh it's great to get back i've been doing it for the last uh 10 or 11 years and it's great that we had a couple guys advance on we had dakota gal was playing with the university of saskatchewan huskies john stoll was, a, was an all-star in canada west a couple of years ago he's part of our program and an alumni we're proud to call him alumni so it's just great to see those guys excel at the next level Oh, that's awesome! And I want—I want to ask you another football question, but I just want to steer myself back on tr- track here because I got one more uh, hockey question for you. Uh, came to mind when you were talking MJHL. I've seen a couple MJHL games live and in person. I've been to a lot of SJHL games. Now, this could just be my uh, opinion, my point of view, but I found this was about like I want to say ten years ago. I found that the SJHL game was a lot more physical is that the case or is it kind of the same in the same ballpark yeah it's depending on the year uh, i would say it kind of goes back and forth a little bit i don't i don't know if it's the arenas in the mjhl makes it a little bit more tighter and a little bit more hard-nosed and aggressive and i think a little bit more chippier sometimes in the mj i think the sj sometimes a little bit more skilled and and a quicker league but uh, yeah it all depends on the the, the kind of group of kids, what age group it is, and, and so on and so forth. But I think both they're both are great leagues uh, in uh, in the Canadian Junior Hockey League, and both producing great talent. So I think it just kind of depends on the year. But uh, I like that chippiness. I like that the hard hitting action. I like to, especially here in the playoff time, we see a lot more of that here here down the stretch. So looking forward to seeing that in the next couple months. Benny, this may not be a fair question for you, but uh, as a guy that calls hockey in two junior A leagues, I have to ask about the, the situation in Alberta uh, with the five teams leaving for the BCHL. Uh, I guess, how do you see it? Yeah, it's it's a very, very interesting situation. Um, uh, it's tough to see. I know it's a lot of people say it's good for junior hockey. It can be good for some junior hockey teams, especially the ones that have uh, kind of big pockets. Uh, especially those five teams in Alberta that do have some big pockets being ownership teams. So it's, uh, it definitely kind of puts a little bit of uh, on other teams on notice. And it's kind of puts some unpredictability what's going to happen in, in junior hockey in the next couple or next few years here. I know we talked with the Canadian Hockey League, maybe accepting um, our NCAA accepting Canadian hockey players here that could come forward. I know some reports uh, nationally that came out with that. Uh, we've just seen it first down. The, the Nippo and Hawks lost two. Uh, their top players, uh, Boston, uh, Braxton Buckberger um, and the Buckberger brothers, both uh, advanced on to, uh, and they got picked up by the Alberta Valley Bulldogs. So they're part of the Nippon Hawks, and they basically got picked up by Alberta. They left them, and, and Nippon gets no compensation, no no anything like that. I'm not sure if we're going to see that a few more times here. Hopefully not here for some of these uh, local junior teams um, here in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So it's uh, it's, it's a very interesting situation. I Hopefully they, the Hockey Canada, Canadian Junior Hockey League, and, and everybody involved can kind of sit down here here in the next few months here heading into the off season and get something together because it would be very, very, very uh, disappointing if uh, if some of these uh, local markets like the, the Malvilles, the Yorktons, the Waverly City Capitals, Swan Valley's, Waver and Test events, um, Notre Dame's or Melford's and Nippon's that had a chance to kind of diminish their their product because it's uh, the, these teams involved in junior hockey in the community is big and uh, we I know it came up a big big picture here with the Yorkton Terriers with their situation the Terriers need the community and the community needs the Yorkton Terriers so hopefully it doesn't affect it too much but it can be very interesting I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye on what's going to happen here because I think junior hockey in Canada and across the world is going to be changing here in the next couple of years. And Benny, one last time, if someone wants to get in on those uh, tickets for season ticket packages for the Yorkton Terriers, uh, just uh, give that info again if someone's just tuning in. 
Yep, you can go to www.yorksinteriors.com. You can check out their, their social media pages. You can also call their office, 306-783-4077. Before I leave, Zinger, I know you've been posting on, on our sports page, Twitter, our X account about senior hockey, and I've been to a couple of senior hockey parental games the last uh, couple of weekends. It's great hockey. I want to talk about junior hockey, but let's get to it, Rena. Make your way to Wayne Yard, Balcaris, or or Wadena, or Foam Lake, and, and watch some great senior hockey because that's some great hockey. And uh, the way the towns come together in these communities to, to pack the arenas, it's, uh, there's nothing better, especially with some provincial hockey. Yeah, absolutely. Benny Walchuk, GX94, Yorkton, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline today. And, Benny, thanks for taking a couple minutes. And uh, quickly, Super Bowl prediction before I let you go, who do you got? Oh, boy. I'm probably on the fence right now, but I'm going to go San Francisco. I'm one of those guys that don't want to see Kansas City win again than this Taylor Swift and uh, Travis Kelsey drama. I want San Francisco to, even if Baltimore were the one, I probably would have been cheering for Baltimore, even though I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But so I'm going to go San Francisco 34, and let's go Kansas City 28. Ooh, there you go. You heard a right score. Yeah, I like that score. Hey, Benny, enjoy the game on uh, Sunday and enjoy a couple days off and uh, recharge your batteries. Thanks, Zinger. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. And have a good weekend, boys. Awesome. That's Here's Benny Check, uh, GX94 Yorkton on the Western Pizza Hotline. And I believe the the Belcaris Bronx have a big uh, game coming up tonight. Saturday night, game one, senior A provincial. So uh, we'll keep tabs on that throughout the evening. Give you some score updates at Sports Cage on Twitter slash X. We are going to take a break for the five o'clock news coming up in hour three. Right at 5.30, TSN's Glenn Suter and also Ryan McNally caught up with Kirk Myers, curling legend around these parts. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Here's Sean Kleisinger. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Stay a while. We're here for another hour or so. Downtown Regina, corner of 12th and Rose. On this Thursday, people starting to walk to their vehicles after work here. Still wearing toques. That's good. Hey, there's some more eye contact. Remember yesterday I got some eye contact? (laughs) I got some more of it. People are maybe liking my new shiny glasses. It's the red light reflecting off of them that's attracting them. At least somebody likes them because I don't think my family does. I'm Sean Kleisinger, Ryan McNally. The Sports Cage brought to you by Extreme Hockey. It's the end of an era as Jason Dagelman passes the puck off to Donnie and Tarrington at Extreme Hockey and Sport. New owners with the same goals. Proudly serving Regina and his community for 35 years. And coming up at the bottom of this hour, TSN's Glenn Suter will be joining us. And I have a very interesting question. Well, at least I think it's interesting. Hopefully the audience shares the same sentiment. I'm going to ask Glenn about uh, if he remembers a time as a player in the in the offseason when his team signed a, a pending free agent from another team that really got him juiced up and what the and what that does for a locker room. I'm going to ask Glenn that. That's coming up at 5.30. And feel free to always text. We love your input. And also call the number, 306-936-6262. You can also call toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. The text line is for Capital Ford Lincoln. Uh, Capital Ford Lincoln is Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer. Capital Ford Lincoln dot com 
And on the other side of this segment, we're going to be talking with Kirk Myers. And I want to talk curling with you, Ryan McNally, because it's curling season. Not only is the Briar coming to Regina starting on March 1st. Yes, March 1st. But also the Scotties. The Scotties is starting up next week. And I've always said this. I enjoy watching the Scotties slash attending the Scotties just as much or maybe even a tiny tiny bit more than the Briar. It's just such good curling, and it's firing up next week. Yeah, both uh, tournaments are really good for for that, Uh, right, Sean? I mean, it's really one of the more gender-diverse sports there are, really, in in not only Canada, but really the world is, uh, you know, the pot is uh, the same, uh, regardless if you win the Scotties or the Briar, and uh, the stakes are the same too, right? If you win the Scotties, you represent Canada at the World uh, Championships. If you win the Briar, guess what? You uh, you represent uh, your country at the Worlds, and also get a spot in the Olympic trials for if uh, if you win both. So yeah. it's a it's a really exciting time. Uh, I'm excited to be a curler uh, this time of year. Is uh, I always get to you know lock in and watch it on TV, or uh, even better, get to experience it in person uh, when it comes to Regina here uh, in March. Yeah, and the winning team of the Scotties tournament, they will represent Canada at the 2024 uh, World Women's Curling Championship. That's happening in Sydney, Nova Scotia. And uh, yeah, so next week, February 16th, it gets going. And we all know Carrie Anderson, probably the favorites uh, of Team Canada. But is there another rink that you're kind of looking at, Ryan McNally, and kind of, you know, rooting for in a way? Well, uh, it of course, is, Team Saskatchewan. We're cheering for Team Saskatchewan. But, yes, uh, if, if I was gonna cheer, cheer for a team that uh, wasn't Team Saskatchewan, it's really hard. That's to, a better way to ask. It's a really hard uh, thing to bet against uh, Jennifer Jones because mm. uh, uh, she's kind of retooled her team, uh, has a young team uh, from third to lead that uh, you know I really like to watch play. I mean, I saw them at uh, the uh, Pinties event uh, that was uh, here in May 2023, and they were a really solid group then. Um, also, I mean, Rachel Holman's team, uh, full of shot makers on that team, too. So uh, another team to really watch. But another team I really like just watching them curl. Uh, if they win, if they lose, you really don't get a you know a sense either way because they're just there to play. Is uh, the Crystal McCarvel rink from uh, Northern Ontario? You know they're not a team that goes on tour. They're a team that just sticks at home and uh, qualifies for the Scotties each year. And uh, they're right up against uh, teams that uh, again travel, spend money to uh, play. Uh, curling at really big bond spiels how all tough, year round. How tough is that not going on the road and traveling and then just picking up the broom and heading out there and trying to win a big tournament like this? Well, it can't be easy. Yeah, you really only see those teams once a year and it's at the Scotties, right? So you really have only one shot at uh, teams like Rachel Holman or teams like Jennifer Jones. Uh, you know, uh, you're, I imagine it's a lot of watching and a lot of uh, scouting out that way, but uh, yeah, this Crystal McCarvel rink, they've done it the same way uh, for as long as I've watch them play you know they don't really go anywhere outside of northern ontario for their bond spiels and uh they seem to make it work they've finished in the top four or top three uh in many of the last few uh scotty's events skylar ackerman of saskatchewan do you think what w- what are the odds you know we're a big betting program what are the odds that we can take home a Scotty's championship? Uh, Skylar Ackerman, a kinesiology student at the University of Saskatchewan, can she bring home a, a title, Ryan McNally? Do uh, I 
Sprinkle, as Barney would say. <laughs> I uh, I never say never, Shawnee. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, I believe this be is tough. Skylar Ackerman's uh, debut at the Scotties, and uh, it's it's been a healthy long while, I'll say, uh, since I've seen a Scotties team make their debut and win it in the same year. So uh, Saskatchewan's a tough province to win. Uh, regardless, so uh, it is great for Skylar to get there, um, and uh, she's going to have a great uh, tournament of hearts, and uh, hopefully she can put together a few wins and make some noise, uh, but I, I still think it's it's really hard to bet against the top three, which uh, I still think is uh, Anderson, Jones, and Holman. Yeah, and of course, Skylar Ackerman's rank up in uh, Saskatoon, the origin, and I just don't see anybody beating Carrie Anderson. I, I, I could be wrong. I'm still going to watch the event, but uh, at this point, I'm no curling expert, but that just seems like a very tough team to beat in those big-time matches. ton of shot makers, right, John? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when they put that team together, all four of them skipped their own teams, and yeah. they all came together to, uh, you know, play together out of the uh, Gimli Curling Club in Manitoba. Toba. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people were like, geez, four skips on the same team. It's kind of like having four quarterbacks on the same football team, exactly. right? Every every person wants to be the the person to go to, the person to make the shots. But, uh, no, Val Sweeting and uh, uh, Shannon Burchard and Brian Harris, they all kind of went behind Carrie Anderson and said, you can, you can make the skip shots. You can make that draw to the pin when we need you to. And uh, that confidence has really helped Carrie. Uh, you know, I just remember when she won her first Scotties, that was in Moose Jaw in 2020. I want to say and she you know you could definitely tell that uh, she had a new wave of confidence in her and it really came from uh, the roster that she had uh, helping her out hey Skylar Ackerman and Team Saskatchewan they're gonna knock them off if we see them yeah, it's, it's time it's Saskatchewan's year in 2024 yeah so the Scotty's happening next week it's starting up February 16th to the 25th and then yes the Briar shortly thereafter March 1st right here in the Queen City under the orange top at the Brand Center. We are going to step aside, have more curling for you. Ryan, you caught up with Kirk Myers. That conversation's coming up on the other side of the break. This is the Sports Cage. It's 516 on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. We head to the Western Pizza Hotline, where we're joined by St. Gregor, Saskatchewan's finest, Kirk Myers, who's partaking in a mixed doubles event with teammate Laura Walker. Kirk, where are we catching you here today? Yeah, you betcha. We're in Bradford. We're, we're playing the last uh, the last event of the mixed doubles Super Series this weekend, and I guess they call it the Players' Championship. So we're just getting rolling on that, and uh, it should be a good weekend. Uh, Kirk, how's the mixed double season gone so far? Uh, I got to be honest here. I haven't heard much of it uh, this year. So, uh, yeah, how's it gone? Yeah, you know, it's been a good year. The mixed doubles is a different beast yet. You know, it doesn't get uh, as much attention as the men's and ladies. You know, it's a new thing. It's a new discipline. It's, it, they're working to grow it, and they're do, there's a lot of powers that be here putting a lot of force behind uh, getting the mixed doubles going. I think it's uh, I think it's cool, cool little sport. Like, it, it takes about an hour, 20 minutes to play the game. A man and a woman are playing together. So I think there's a lot of things about mixed doubles that are really exciting. There's huge point swings uh, that are changing every end, those sort of things. But it, does, it, it doesn't get as much, as much attention as the men's and women's. I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, I mean, the, the men's and women's curling is one of the coolest sports uh, going in Canada. So you don't hear a lot about it. But we've had a good year. Uh, we're, we're number two in the world, number one in Canada. 
Uh, our goal is obviously to win the world championship this year, but we, we have to win the, the national championship first, which is uh, just after the Briar in, in March there. And then our goal is to get the Olympic trials. So the Olympic trials are actually next uh, late December. So our goal this year is to get an Olympic trial spot. And then, uh, and then the secondary goal would be to get to the world championship and win it. But we put ourselves in a good position, but there's still a few events to go. Yeah, you know, uh, mixed doubles, a uh, great event, uh, and a ton of games you can play in a day, right? I mean, you know, you see the Briar schedule, it's maybe maybe three, maybe four games a day. Uh, you're usually playing at least one of those, but uh, for mixed doubles, it's it's a heck of a lot more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes they get us playing four or four games a day, that sort of thing. And I'll tell you, it gets tiring because when you're playing mixed doubles, you're kind of doing everything. There's, there's five rocks in end, but you're throwing and you're pop, jumping up, you're sweeping all the rocks by yourself. So the game definitely gets tiring. And after three or four games of mixed doubles, I'm dead, I'll tell you that. I mean, uh, it's a different beast. It's a, it's a little more uh, a little more uh, high energy, I guess, than uh, than the regular curling. But they do cram the events into a few days, whereas, like the like you said, the Briar and the Scott get drawn out uh, for a long period of time. I wanted to ask you about uh, the Briar coming up here. Uh, you're a seven-time uh, Briar uh, appearance from uh, Saskatchewan, uh, and you're, you've played with a couple of guys of, that have played uh, on the Mike McEwen team that are uh, going to represent Saskatchewan uh, coming up here at this Briar. I guess uh, have you seen it uh, so far uh, on the men's side, and uh, you know who, how do you think uh, it'll all play out? Yeah, you know, it's going to be exciting. I'm going to be down in Regina for the full week. You can't miss that. Uh, I tell you, there's nothing better, in my opinion, than watching uh, watching a Briar or Scotties, or if you can go live to a, a Scotties or Briar in Saskatchewan, especially the setup they have in Regina. I mean, that's just that's just the best. So I'm excited. I'm going to be down there all week watching it all and uh, taking in the patch for a little bit and enjoying that. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I think the Saskatchewan team, I mean, I think it's hard to argue that they knew where the, they were the horses going into provincials. So if they didn't win, it uh, would have been a surprise. I mean, they've had a really good year, a sneaky good year. Um, they didn't win a lot of events, but they, they got to the semifinals and they got deep into events almost every time they played. And um, they're really coming on, too. I, I watched them at the provincials there. I mean, Mike was dialed. And when Mike McEwen is dialed in, uh, their teams do well. And he was he was making precise, precise shots, whether it was draws, hit and rolls, those sort of things that you need to win championships, Mike was making. And then, I mean, the support that uh, the Marsh boys and, and Colton give uh, give uh, any skip is great. I mean, I was lucky enough. I played a lot of years with Colton. I uh, played a few bribes with, uh, with Colton and then juniors, and then I got to play a few seasons with the Marsh boys too when I skipped, and they were they were, they were playing second and third, along with my brother playing lead, and, and they were the best teammates you could ever imagine. So I, I think the, the, the way they kind of put themselves together, um, they could be a force come come the end of the week at the Briar. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would say they're the favorites going into the Briar by any means, but they're definitely contenders, and if they go out and play the way they can, and they've, they've been to a few Briars now, all of them, they know what to expect. Um, I don't think the nerves will get to them too much. They'll be ready to play. Um, they, they could they could scare scare to, to win the event late in the week, and I think for a Saskatchewan crowd, there'd be nothing better than to see the Saskatchewan Green go deep in the event and and maybe uh, maybe clip some of those Alberta and Manitoba Ontario teams for the championship. Boy, that would be cool. You mentioned that uh, you skipped a team with the both Marsh brothers uh, on that team. Uh, still kind of a relatively unknown, which is really surprising considering how talented they are. What do they bring to a team like Mike McEwen's? Yeah, you betcha. So, I mean, uh, we, we, we've, the, the Marsh boys have been uh, two of the best curlers in Saskatchewan since we were 15 years old. We played against each other for years, and they were always – 
close to winning the tanker for a lot of years and then a few years ago they finally broke through and then uh, I think two years ago they won the provincial title with Colton playing second or playing lead in the second so I mean they're they're great players uh, Kevin I think won the all-star award at the Briar of 2020 and uh, he plays uh, he plays second on the team now um, Colton won the Briar with Cooey in 2019 so there's there's a lot of talent there and those Marsh boys are just good they're great solid players they do everything right and they're two of the best teammates you can have they they make you feel good out there they make they pump up uh, uh, the confidence in the, in the other players, and they just go out there and they do their job. Uh, they do their job well, and they know their they know their role, and they do that well. I mean, they're they're two of the best teammates you could have, two of the best teammates you could have in a support role and, and leading second. So I think uh, Colton and, and Mike are in good shape with those two guys. And you mentioned uh, Colton Flash in there too. Uh, you know, he was your uh, he was on your team uh, with uh, Steve Laycock uh, when you went to the Briar a few times there as well. Uh, you know, went off to Alberta to go win a Briar with uh, Kevin Cooey, and then uh, also skipped his own team too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in Saskatchewan. So I guess what does that versatility bring to a team like Mike McEwen's, where you have a guy that can really play any position? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest piece of that is he can play any position, but he also knows what it's like to be in all the positions. So when we played with uh, when we played with uh, Laycock, he played second. Uh, we played together in juniors. He played second. He played third this year. He's played third throughout the years. He skipped a lot of years. So he really knows what everybody is going through in any, any different role, and he's able to support them because he knows what they need. So uh, again, same with Colton. He's one of the one of the good guys in curling. And then the cool thing about Colton when you when you play with him, he makes everything light out there. He's he's having fun. He's having a good time. He's enjoying it. Uh, he's a good time, Charlie. So I mean, I think the the especially when you talk about a hometown Briar where there's seven thousand people watching your every move, um, it's going to be nice to have a guy like that that can uh, kind of lighten the load for everyone out there so um I, and i mean when you watch him play when he's dialed that guy's making everything too so um, and then uh, you add on his sweeping ability they have him throwing third but sweeping mike McEwen's rocks he's arguably probably one of the strongest sweepers in curling today um so to have him uh, sweeping mike's rocks is huge too so i mean he's just a versatile player that can play any position and if you have him on your team you can put him to good use i'm glad you mentioned that hometown briar as uh, you know of course the Montana's Briar coming to Regina 2024, uh, March 1st to the 10th. Uh, you played in the last time the Briar was played here in Regina. Walk us through uh, some of those happy memories of playing in a hometown Briar. Oh, there's nothing better. I mean, like I said, the, the, the scary part is you have 7,000 people hanging on your every move for 10 days, but that's also the best part. You know, every shot you make, either the crowd's going nuts or the crowd's going, ooh, because they're watching every shot you play. Um, the emotions that run through your body when you're when you when you have that many people watching uh, watching your games is crazy, and then you know the whole the whole Briar Trout thing too. We you know we haven't won a Briar in you know whatever forty or fifty years, so everyone's getting pretty ready for that. So they they, they want you to win so bad, and everyone there is, is so hanging on everything you're doing. It gets uh, um, it gets pretty uh, pretty intense at times, but that's why we play the game, right? Uh, we're lucky enough. We worked. Uh, these guys have worked their butt off to get that opportunity in 2018. We worked our butt off to get that opportunity to feel that pressure and have everyone watching us. Uh, it's what you dream about as a kid to have a whole arena watching everything you're doing. And um, and again, there's nothing better. I've said this for years, and, and I think all curlers would agree. There's nothing better than playing uh, in Saskatchewan and for the Saskatchewan team for that to be their home home province to play. Oh man, there's nothing better than that. It's going to be a rocket building. Does that almost kind of make you miss the four-person game just a little bit? That does a little bit. If, there's a, if I could, if I could go, to, if I could sign up and go to the Briar and play ten days for Team Saskatchewan at the hometown Briar, I, I could, I could be convinced to come around to it because that there's nothing better than that in sports. 
Awesome, Kirk. Uh, thank you again so much. Best of luck this weekend. And uh, you mentioned uh, you're going to be in Regina for the Briar. I hope to catch up with you then. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. We'll talk to you soon. It's 531 inside the sports cage with the sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. This is a very special sports ticker. I have a pair of tickets, or I say I should say we have a pair of tickets to give away to the Hockey Canada Rivalry Series tomorrow night. At the Brand Center, Team Canada taking on Team USA. Team Canada with a nice win last night up in the Sastel Center in Saskatoon. So this is what you need to do. Text in 306-936-6262. Give us your name. Give us your email. And uh, we'll pick a winner before the show is up. So once again, that's 306-936-6262. Giving away two tickets to see the big game tomorrow night from under the orange top. Springfield, Jurison, Lewis, and Goldsmith. Those guys will play hard throughout a whole football game. They're bringing a couple extra people, like a Glenn Suter in there, to fill those extra lanes, not allow him anywhere. He can't see over that line. What a catch. Just magic. He makes the contested catch 90% of the time. Not a big guy, but man, does he play big. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for press coverage as Riders Plaza of Honor Safety and Hall of Fame broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the three-down game we love. Press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. It's that time slot. It's a Thursday at 5.34 p.m., joined by TSN's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. And I was laying in bed last night, and I was thinking to myself, CFL free agency's happening. This is happening. So much happening in the Canadian Football League. And then a question just sparked in my mind. I was like, i got to ask Glenn this tomorrow. Uh, Glenn, you obviously had a nice playing career, great cup champion with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 1989. Uh, the question that came to mind, was there a time when you were a player uh, during an off season, when the Riders made a free agency signing that really kind of sparked you up, juiced you up, and made you want to grab your helmet and go out there and play the next day, does anything come to mind like that? Well, there's a couple, Sean. Like the first was uh, one that did fire me up, but probably in a kind of a different reason than you think. Um, in the off season, after my rookie year, we acquired Harry Skipper, who was a corner that played in Montreal when I was a rookie. Well, Harry and I got into an all-out fist fight on the field when I was trying to cover a punt, and he gave, he used to wear a, a, a hard plastic forearm pad, and he gave me a forearm that went right between my mask and the top of my helmet and got me right across the bridge of the nose and just <laughs> broke my nose that would just flat across my face. No way. So, yeah, so I, I wasn't happy with that shot, and we went at it in the game. And uh, lo and behold, the very next training camp, his locker is right beside me <laughs> in Saskatchewan. <laughs> and I thought, well, we better kiss and make up here because this is going to be a long season with this guy that I just want to punch out. <laughs> anyway, that's, 
that was that was uh, for a different reason. But the the one, and I know what you're asking because, um, you know, it can really change your team. Yeah, uh, a, a big free agent signing, not necessarily the skill uh, side of the equation, which is important. Don't get me wrong, but it's not necessarily the skill side of the equation that I find really important, or or did with this particular guy when we were just building up towards the 89 season. And I want to say it was 87, but it might have been 88. Um, the team acquired Nick Hebler from the BC Lions. Hmm. And Nick came in as just a perennial all-star defender. And I, I remember having great conversations with him. And as we sort of got towards Labor Day, he would he would say things like this. I mean, personally one-on-one to me, but also to uh, more guys on the team, a lot of guys on the team. Um, he would say things like, you know, I, I've been on a championship team. I've been on some very good BC Lions team. This team is better. This team has wow. more talent. Yeah. Now, now Nick didn't Nick didn't fill the stats page when he came to Saskatchewan. He he was a good player, but he, you know, he he was at the he was on the back nine of his of his career, and you know he he wasn't he wasn't filling the stats page. But what he did in our locker room for me and for the secondary and for the defense for sure was bring this sort of validation that what we've been doing, the way we've been working, how we practice, how we work out in the gym before and after practice, all of those things that we were doing, he, he sort of validated them. He just put his stamp on it and said, guys, you, you guys are doing more than the championship teams I've played on. You know, this, this is a championship quali- quali- uh, quality team. And I, I, I'll never forget the sort of the confidence I felt having this guy come from a winning program into our program that had struggled. Remember, we hadn't even made the playoffs for a long time till '88. Yeah. So yeah, so it was it was Nick Hebler was a real difference maker, I think, in our room. Yeah, Nick Hebler, and he went to the same college that you did, didn't he, Glenn? That would have been a little before you, right? Simon Fraser. Yeah, just I just saw Nick, as a matter of fact, uh, a few months ago when we were doing a press conference to save the SFU football program because, yes, we, we both went to SFU at different times. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, he was um, he, he just a great leader. And, man, he looks like a DV now. He looks great. But he, he was – very influential in a positive way in our locker room, and I think it really kind of helped us uh, towards that 89 run. Yeah, I'm still kind of giggling about your <laughs> Harry Skipper story. I love that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, number 26, I want to say, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Harry Skipper. He was on the uh, Montreal Concords before he made his way over uh, to Ryderville. So, Glenn, we're talking about all these uh, new players going into locker rooms and stuff. That's exactly what's happening right now in the Canadian Football League. So a lot of change happening. Uh, What can this do for a locker room? Having new blood from another team come in, what are some of the challenges that come along with that and uh, some of the pros as well? Well, that's why I think, uh, you know, I I always would put, you know, and everyone has a different approach, but I would always put the skill and, and sort of what they bring on the field as far as talent. I would put that second in the priority list to character. And, um, you know, because everybody's good, it's different degrees of good, but everybody's good at this level. So I'm not worried about, you know, evaluating the talent of a free agent you might bring in, but what will he do in our room 
Um, is he bringing the right mindset, the right attitude to the room? And that's why, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, AJ Olette has been talked about and, you know, we got to get the free agency here, but I, I think that would be a big get for Saskatchewan if they can. And cause you know, he, he's a, he's a nose to the grindstone hard worker from all I understand a great teammate in the locker room. You see what he does in his relentless effort on the field. So he shows you through by example of how he approaches the game, you know, excellent in the, in the classroom as well to make sure he understands all the protections, which helps, you know, your quarterback situation, quarterback room. So I, I just, you know, guys like that, I I think in free agency and, and there's a, there's a fine line here too, though, Sean, because you got, you got guys that you know are are oozing with strong character and great team players, but they're also getting late in their career. So there's that that balancing act you got to find there. Um, if it's a veteran like that, are you getting a guy that's past his expiration date and has lost too much speed, or you know is too banged up from a whole career of, of football? Olet, by the way, isn't in that category to me, but there is a right, line there yeah. that you've got to, I think, straddle. Yeah, and as far as like the challengers go, I was kind of thinking. I'm sure there has been scenarios in the past where, in the off season, a new influx of talent is uh, implemented into the locker room. But then, as the season goes along, maybe you know the team that was already in place has been together for a very long time and then all of a sudden maybe some of these new pieces just the personalities I'm not talking like the talent but maybe the personalities don't quite mesh like the organization maybe thought they were going to mesh is that a a big factor going into signing uh, brand new people not just what you're getting on the field but the type of individual they are off the field that's yeah that's to me the number one priority the type of person they are Um, and it is, it is always a, I won't say it's a gamble because you, you can do your research and you can talk to people and find out pretty well, um, you know, if a guy's going to be a good teammate or not. Uh, and then, yeah, but the, the, the uncertainty or what you have to wait to see is how that all comes together and meshes in the locker room. How does, how does that chemistry come together and how long does it take for it to come together? And that's where your leaders come in. That's where the leadership part of the room, you know, have to step up. But, but let's be honest. I mean, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and we don't have to name anybody, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders the last couple of years had a handful of players that didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And, and they were key players in key positions that hurt this team at times. So those guys have got to be replaced by guys that are going to work towards bringing, and I'm not blaming just that, you know, just a handful of players. I'm just saying that there were a few guys that didn't understand. I'm here for the guy beside me in the room. They just didn't get it. So if, you know, if, if you've got a room, if you bring in a bunch of free agents that think that way, forget it. It's over. You have a, a couple of flashes here and there, but you don't win those games in the snow in November. You don't win the games when you're down by two scores and have to come back. You don't win the games when your team is very physically beat up and you have to gut it out and get past that. Those are the tough ones, and you don't win those unless you're doing it together and you're doing it because you care about the guy beside you. And, and I, you know, I, I preach it all the time, but uh, I think it doesn't matter if you're playing peewee hockey or professional football, 
that type of locker room is necessary in team sports to 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 get to the finish line and 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 so there is some uncertainty when free agency hits and how that new locker room is going to to you know come together and what will the chemistry look like and 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 how long will it take but you know you you got enough leadership in there it shouldn't take long and like i said make make the character of the man the person more a higher priority than whether he can catch it behind his back yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, exactly. you know, you know they, they can all catch it. Yep. So let's let's, uh, you know, bring the character guys in. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget a conversation I had with Canadian Football Hall of Famer uh, Darren Flutie during a Grey Cup week just this past year in 2023. And uh, he was live on the sports cage here. He was telling me the story about uh, the 1994 BC Lions. And it was a very rare occasion because it's not very often where teams do not really get along. And I'm not putting words in Darren's mouth, but he basically said live on these airwaves that that team really didn't get along too well. There was a lot of fights because some guys didn't like each other. And what did that 1994 BC Lions team do? They made it all the way... Uh, to the Great Cup game, and then, uh, well, ended up winning the Great Cup game off of Louis Pisaglia's uh, foot there. So uh, it's not it's not really something to bank on. It doesn't happen very often, but sometimes when you have that much talent, it can override that theme. But like I said, you don't really want to bank on that. Uh, TSN's Glenn Suter here on the Western Pizza Hotline. And to your point as well, uh, new energy in the facility, and I'm going back to what... Uh, the color voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Luke Mullinder, said yesterday. He feels like this mm. new Saskatchewan Rough Rider defense under Corey Mace, he feels like this defense is going to be 100% more accountable. And I think that's kind of, you know, it ties into what we're talking about here as far as getting the right people into the locker room. Yeah, I, I agreed. And uh, I couldn't agree more that, you know, Corey Mace, uh, the former player in him, you know, everything that you hear about how he's coached and approached players. You know, these are grown men playing for their livelihood. So, you know, you, you don't have to really drag them along. And if you, and if you are really having to drag a guy along, he's the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it just takes, um, you know, the, I, I believe anyway, the, the coach standing in that room and, and empowering the players to take ownership. And that's what Luke, I think was talking about that, you know, you're you're in the room, and this is your room. This is your team, not mine, not the not the organization's. Not the, this is your team. The guy beside you is your teammate. Are you going to do whatever you can for him? Put him ahead of yourself. That's that's the question, and, and I think Corey has that in him. I mean, I'll, you know, he's answered all those questions, right? I mean, you still got to see what happens after a two game losing streak, and you're you're facing one of the top teams in game three in the league. And you've got a couple of guys that have gone rogue on you. Right. Because it happens. Yeah. And then how do you handle all that? How do you deal with it all? How do you bring them together rather than, you know, jam a wedge between the locker room? So I, I just, that's what I love about this game is, is that all these different personalities and all these different people that came from different backgrounds they have to come together in six months, and the teams that do that are often not the most talented teams, physically mm-hmm. talented teams, but the teams that are closer together. And again, it's it's not it's not best friends and buddy buddy with everybody in a room. 
But it's like it's like Darren Flutie said. It's it's sometimes the room is not. I'm not taking guys over to dinner or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But, but it it's respect, accountability, and let's let's be honest, discipline and sacrifice. Sacrifice your own goals for the goal of the team, the better good of the team. Yeah. I know you hear that all the time. It's cliche, but it, it's it's reality. Press coverage for Quality Tire here on the Western Pizza Hotline. More with Glenn Suter on the other side. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 549 inside the Sports Cage. Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline here. The last segment of this Thursday show. Glenn, has there been any quote-unquote you know, reports, nothing is official yet. So let, me, let me get that out of the way. Nothing's official until it pens on the paper. We all know that. That's coming up next week. But uh, a lot of reports, a lot of uh, leaking out there. Has there been one kind of player that has reportedly landed on a new team that has really intrigued you from the last time that we spoke? Yeah, AJ Olette. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean that one and uh, Brady Oliveira taking sort of uh, uh, the home t- hometown discount. Mm-hmm. I think is, you know, th- those two guys to me were just, um, you know, those lead by example physical players that, I, you know, I think I think they were the leaders in their team. I mean, I mean, quarterbacks are always your leaders, and you have a couple on defense, but. I did too that the Bombers have has sort of been filtered through Brady Oliveira and for him to take, you know, less money and, and he said many times, I'm a I'm a Manitoban. I'm I love it here. I'm gonna rescue puppies and I'm going to be part of the, the community and I'm going to give this community and these this fan base everything I have. And and he stepped up and walked it like he talked it because he took less money to stay with the Bombers. And and if Olette ends up in Saskatchewan, I that's that's a key one. And, and you know, the, the guy that's going to be most happy, forget about handing the ball off to him, but getting a running game going and play action for Trevor Harris. And then the protection aspect, when A.J. Olette is going to make sure he knows who he's blocking. Oh, boy. You know, those are – and I, again – that's not that's not a shot on Jamal Morrow or Frankie Hickson or anything. It's, oh no, uh, Oled and, and Oliveira that were the top two backs in the league, and I think they're important for a lot of things away from when they touch the football. Yeah, Brady Oliveira. It was reported that you know we don't need to get into the numbers, but just to give you an idea, the listener out there turning down reportedly uh, seven hundred seventy thousand dollars and five hundred fifty thousand dollar financial packages to uh, stay in Winnipeg. So uh, there's that there. And when you look across the board right now, Glenn, this has happened real quick, but you look at the running backs in the West Division. you got William Stanback. If he does sign with the BC Lions, you got Brady Oliveira in Winnipeg and A.J. Olette in Saskatchewan. I mean, the running backs in the West Division, I mean, they're all coming over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when, and Jamal Morrow I, I'm, is not – signed anywhere. No. Team Carey in Calgary is not signed either. So different style backs there. But yeah, you know, if, if they all get them done and they get it and see, then, uh, you know, it'll, it will be a different look. William Stanback, of course, played with Vernon Adams in Montreal. So they're kind of reuniting if, if that is all finalized at some point. And, 
no, still some interesting players out there in the receiving core. We talked about Javon Leak. That's an interesting one. I can you can you play him on offense, or is there a balancing act there? I guess a team with a real good returner like Saskatchewan doesn't necessarily need a Javon Leak because they've got a great returner. They resign and extend it. And Matthew Betts is still out there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and talk about him with the three or four teams. Montreal is one of them. BC's return is another one. But I, I wonder if Saskatchewan's in that discussion. Hey, let's go and Tim White as well, big time receiver. We uh, chat with JC yeah. Abbott of a Three Down Nation Hour One, so that's going to be interesting how that all lands. Uh, this is Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline, and finally, we've been or at least I have been, I don't want to speak for anybody, Zinger has been wanting this for quite some time, and I think a lot of CFL fans have as well. But the the CFL Combine, it's coming to Winnipeg, and then after that it's going to be here in Regina, and the Canadian Football League has uh, unveiled the initial list of uh, the prospects invited to participate in the Combine this year. I'm not going to ask you about the about the individual participants, Glenn, but uh, I'm just going to ask you how big of an opportunity this is. It rolls around once every year, the, the Combine, and this is a, a big chance for these guys to really put their name on the map, on the radar, if their name isn't uh, on there already. It's a big, big weeks coming up ahead here in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it gets all the sort of football people in, on each team and each organization together. It gets a chance so they can all look at the guys. It's It's obviously great for the prospects, but... More, more so for the league in in general that yeah. the league in March is going to be in the news and talked about and you know this it's a twenty seven deal now you can't there's no off season in pro sports in any sport there's no off season you got to be in the news and talking about your team always that's why this radio station is so great because we talk about CFL football the whole time. So, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I hope I can get out to it in Winnipeg, and uh, I hope that we do some stuff on TSN, and I know we will on the cage. And, yeah, um, yeah it'll, it'll be uh, excellent excellent for the league. Who do, you, who do you got in the Super Bowl before we go? Uh, Super Bowl? I've, I've been on the record here. Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are going to win it, Glenn. I know uh, Ryan McNally says the same thing. I might be a bit biased, though, because I can't cheer for the Niners after the heartbreak they caused me a couple weeks right. ago. Uh, with that said, what, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I think if, if the Niners can take away Travis Kelsey and passing downs, They've got a chance to keep it close. I just, I just see the way that Kansas City is playing like veterans. They've played like they've been there. The playoffs come around. You know, they have an up and down season. Playoff comes around, and they and they just lock in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see a real security blanket type situation with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And if they can, if they can, I'm not even bringing up Taylor. But if Travis Kelsey, if if they can try to lock down Travis Kelsey or at least really limit him on passing downs on third and long, uh, I think the 49ers have a solid chance to win. And, you know, I think on the other side of the coin, Kansas City has got to take out Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. And and if they can just – not you can't stop their best players, of course, but you can limit them. And if you limit them, play more guys in the box, take the run away, and let's see Brock Purdy throw it 35, 40 times. He's going to need to complete 30 of them to win. So, you know, that's 
That's the breakdown. I'm going to pick Kansas City. I do make predictions when it's not the CFL. There we go. We, we got him to crack, finally. It's been years, and we got him to give a prediction. Has any Taylor Swift-themed uh, Super Bowl parties? Or is Glenn, is the Suter household going to, you know, having having some pizza, whatnot, some wings? What's, uh, what's on tap here on Sunday, Glenn? Well, my dancing star daughter, Alicia, is a huge Swifty. Nice. Massive Taylor Swift fan is going to see Taylor in Toronto. Is on a list of things to see if she can see Taylor here in Vancouver. Listen, this is this has been great. I mean, the NFL certainly didn't need another way to market their game because they are the best at it. But they got another way, and and this has been fun. I mean, I, I keep hearing people complaining about it. And I say, hey, why don't you love love? These guys are in love. They're there. She's up there cheering for her boyfriend. I think it's cool. And there's a a whole bunch of uh, Taylor Swift fans on the planet. I guarantee that. Yeah. And I'd much rather look at Taylor Swift on my TV screen than like, you know, a big hairy animal with his shirt off in the crowd. Like (laughs) like people don't don't have a problem with that when they show that. But, oh, it's the end of the world when they show Taylor Swift. Like, come on, what world are we living in? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And will Zach Kolaris be up in the booth? Yeah, what's That's the over and under one. on he that was one? Up there. Yeah, well, we're going to be having our eyes peeled for that one. Hey, Glenn, enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, can't wait to talk with you next week. And next time we talk, that's when the pen can finally mate, uh, meet the paper. So it's going to be fun. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be yeah. watching. You too, my friend. That's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline putting a bow on today's show on this Thursday. If you missed any of it, you can go back and find it on demand wherever you find your podcasts. And Ryan McNally. We have tickets to hand out there, dude. We Thank you for reminding. We do have those tickets. We have to announce our winner. And I'm going to give it to... Who should we give it to? I'm going to let you decide. We have, a, oh, man. we have like hundreds, it seems like text messages in here for these tickets. By the way, two tickets to the Rivalry Series tomorrow night at the Brand Center. Yesterday, it was up in Saskatoon. Team Canada taking on the U.S. Canada beat the U.S. yesterday, and then tomorrow at the Brand Center, they are going to be going back at it. So, those are the two tickets we are giving away. Ryan, with all that said and done, do do we have a winner? I think we're going to go with Kim McDougal. Kim McDougal, you are the winner. We will send you a text message. We'll get you all lined up, and we'll get those tickets out to you. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and you enjoy your evening out there, Saskatchewan. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Sports Cage starting at 3 o'clock. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.